So we conceived the aficionados on the 16th. And then we finally mm-hmm. delivered it in January. <laughs> we gave birth in January. <laughs> Left it all out on the table. Uh, so there you go. And took something home with us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wrapped it up in blankets, kissed its little forehead, and said, in 18 years, we will let you go. Hello and welcome to our Riverdale podcast brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 24-year-old actor and drama instructor. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. I run at the 100 script on Twitter. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And the book that I would overanalyze is, I mean, it's Harry Potter. Yeah, but like which one? Um, I mean, I'd start with the first one, but my favorite Harry Potter book is Deathly Hallows, but I feel like the one that is best for overanalyzing is probably Prisoner of Azkaban. I was just gonna say that. Yeah. Um, so that's the correct choice. Thanks so much. Yeah. And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 30-year-old journalist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Appertania, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And the book I would overanalyze is Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park, obviously. Yeah. It's like all of Michael Crichton's books can and should be overanalyzed because of how he like put his own scientific beliefs into them because they Mm -hmm. weren't always like, you know, the most progressive. And so it's interesting to see like where his moral like line was and Mm -hmm. how much that shifted as he aged and actually fell ill. Wow. Yeah. I have a lot of thoughts on this. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So that's that on that. Today we have words to say about episode 402 of Riverdale. Fast Times at Riverdale High. So, um, uh, welcome. Uh, Fast Times at Riverdale High is a reference to Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which is a 1982 American coming-of-age comedy film, which chronicles a school year and the lives of some high schoolers. No way! Makes sense. This week, uh, Brittany and I are apart. Uh, I'm still here in Vancouver. Brittany's in Edmonton. Ugh. Is it snowing there? You know what? It's actually been pretty nice. So, silver linings. Oh, I'm jealous because it's been rainy as heck here. Ooh. And ooh. I've had to do a lot of walking and I'm sad about it. Have you considered an umbrella? Yes, my umbrella basically is attached to my hand recently. Oh, okay. It's it's really sad. I'm sorry that this has happened to you. It is really sad. If it helps, next week I'll be in Washington, D.C. and you'll still be alone. Yeah, and we can have Sam be on the pod. That's true. That is going to be Fun, especially because it's the episode where we get Alice back. Finally! It's gonna be perfect. So, um, we're apart. I feel like I wanted to say something else, but I don't remember. Cool. So, um, just wanted to talk a little bit about thoughts from listeners. Um, one of the things that we had mentioned was that we were a little confused as to why the McCoys and the Kellers were just randomly at the Andrews house when Archie got back with the with Fred's body. Be- especially because they didn't have any lines and didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And, um... Our friend Joanna, who is at Veridissima, she loves Sierra and Tom. So, of course, she had thoughts on this. And um, also, our friend King's Token also uh, went in there with some of their thoughts as well. Let's hear them! Okay. So, King's Token said, I always assumed Sierra and Mary were friends, if not when they were younger, then later in life. Like, they spent an entire summer together mounting a defense for Archie's murder trial. If that doesn't force two people to get to know each other really well, I don't know what will. That's a good point. That is such a good point. Joanna said, also both being lawyers, it's very possible they worked together before Mary moved away and Sierra became mayor. I really like the idea of them being friends and Sierra being there for her during these difficult times. I hope we see more of them now that Mary is moving. 
Oh, I never thought about that either. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I thought that was really nice. I I agree. I was under the impression that Mary either didn't go to Riverdale High or, like, was maybe a little bit older than them just because she was not in Midnight Club. Yeah. So I find that interesting. And I wonder if, if maybe she didn't go to Riverdale High. Well, she can't have gone to Southside High because that wouldn't make any sense. But I mean, how did Alice way, not go to Southside High? Yeah. Or FP. Exactly. But either way, they found each other at some point. Yeah. And became friends, with, which I think is lovely. It's wholesome. Kind of sounded like Red Robin. Yum. <laughs> All right. And here are some th- more thoughts from our friend King's Token about Archie's dream sequence. I thought Archie's dream sequence was really interesting, like how in your dreams you mix people from your past, even if they are no longer alive, with people from your present. I think in his head, this is what Archie is dreaming that Fred's funeral is supposed to be like. Most of the adults are there because they are connected to Fred. FP and Tom are his friends. If Sierra and Mary are friends, that explains her presence. Fred was a prominent member of the community, so it would make sense that the Blossoms would attend. Hiram would be there with Veronica, and Hermione had a close relationship with Fred. And of course, the rest are from Archie's friend group. I do agree Ben was a strange choice. Dilton, Ethel, or Mad Dog would have made more sense. I forgot Hal and Alice, but they were next-door neighbors to Fred and Mary for years. Plus, their children were friends, so it would make complete sense that they would be there for the dream funeral. Mm -hmm. One different thought I had is when you mentioned that Fred would continue to be background presence in the show, I was thinking, although I think this is the first time we meet Grandpa Artie, he has always been a background presence in the Andrews household. Both Mary and Fred have mentioned him, but especially Fred, who on several occasions talked about his relationship with his dad and the large impact his death had on his life. It will be interesting to see where they take Archie's story from here, because the death of a parent at any age is life-altering, but especially with someone so young, it could often lead to them having to grow up way too fast. Agreed. I really loved this. And one thing that I totally forgot to mention last episode that ended up being a horrible parallel that nobody asked for was like Fred lost his father at the same age that Archie lost his father. Oh god, I didn't even think about that. Like, one of the theories about this show is that the kids are just reliving their parents' lives over and over again. Yeah. So like, Alice being with FP and of course like, bed uh, bedhead. Bedhead? Being together also. And then like, Fred and Hermione, we have Veronica and Archie. And basically all of these things are happening over and over again. But this is one thing that they obviously did not mean to be like that. Yeah. And it's heartbreaking that it is. It kind of blows a hole in that theory too. Because it's like, okay, well, you can no longer think of that as like a viable, like sort of borderline supernatural theory, I think. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you still can. It's just like a really unfortunate coincidence. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Like, even if that wasn't one of the things, one of the parallels they were planning on making, there were still a lot of parallels. Yeah. I don't know. I'll allow so, it. So thank you so much to Joanna and King's Token for uh, talking to us about this. I thought both of your points were really, really awesome. Um, if you guys have any thoughts about this episode, which I'm so, so, so excited to talk about because um, it really feels like the Riverdale we're used to and we don't have to be sad anymore, then please hit us up on Twitter. Uh, we're at at the Aficionados, um, or you can email us at aficionadospod.com at gmail.com listen to the whole podcast and then if you have any more burning thoughts get back to us love it so Brittany, uh would you like to toot or boot this episode oh my god a huge toot tell me why that just sounds like a big fart yeah. yeah because i feel like this episode was actually balanced like it was crazy like after it ended i was like what even happened because like genuinely as i was doing my notes there are five storylines 
And five. And each of them is actually given a good amount of weight. And there was... Yeah, totally. Like, they were about the same. And there was no, like, thing that Riverdale does where, like, it glosses over huge emotional things and then it never returns to them again. Mm -hmm. Like, they actually dealt, finally, with Reggie being abused. And they dealt with, you know, the Charles thing, which I just assumed they would probably just, you know, kind of throw away because it's Riverdale. Throw away and then leave until, like, the end of the season or something. Exactly. Yeah. But it feels like someone stepped into the writer's room and was like, we are irresponsibly talking about subjects and then dismissing them without giving them any narrative weight. And it's a missed opportunity for us. I am deeply, deeply excited for this season. Like, I still don't really know what the main the main mystery is. So, like, who killed Jason? Who's the Black Hood? Who's the Gargoyle King? What happened to Jughead? It seems like right now it's just where is Jughead, which I think is boring. And so I hope that we get a bigger question. You know, like every season has been who, 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 and now it's where. And I, I want another who, you know what I mean? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't do that, though, because it could be that they were losing sight of the characters in the midst of all of this, like, mystery. All the mystery. I just, I yeah. love the mystery, though. I love the mystery, too. It's so much fun. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Yeah, it's so much more fun to be like, who is it? And, like, pinpoint each of the characters and why or why not it couldn't, it could or could not be them. But, yeah. like, where is Jughead? It's like... Like, literally, I think my note for the flash forward at the end of the episode was, too early to tell, don't have enough information to theorize. Yeah. Like, literally, I, I have no information to theorize. I don't know. I think, there's, I think there's a balance to be found in, you know, theorizing versus, like, you know, character development. And I think the show might be, like, heading towards that. Mm-hmm. I would hope. Yeah. But um, the thing that I really hope is that they do, like, that really titillating mystery. And then they also deal with, like, these micro things that they kind of threw out there, like Reggie being abused. Yeah. Oh, I was so pleased for that to be um, brought up again. Because I was like, that's not something you gloss over. So I was really and they pleased did. that it wasn't. Yeah. Oh, they, they were. Yeah. Like, they glossed over it for so long. They were doing it. Yeah, for sure. So I'm, I'm hoping that continues. Yeah. So I split the, like, I said I split the episode into five storylines but also I had a bit of a thing just for like the very beginning when the core four are all together Mm -hmm. because I didn't really know what storyline to put that in so I just have like a little beginning piece couple notes about that and then moving on to all of those storylines sounds good to me cool so this is my summary for like this little beginning piece okay so a few things happen before this setting up the different storylines in the episode but let's start with where they all converge and then splinter the core four are in Veronica's living room toasting to the new school year reminiscing Betty and has start making out right in front of Archie and Veronica. <laughs> so they leave and go make out in separate rooms. This is gross. They are teens. That was weird. <laughs> in the morning, Veronica forgot to set the alarm, so they're all late. They show up to school and meet the new principal, Mr. Honey, who is a piece of work. And we'll see some more of him later. Okay, so I texted you this when I was watching it. Because I, like, I've been really busy, so I only got to watch the episode, like, a couple hours ago. Mm-hmm. And I texted Robin, and I was like, are they about to have an orgy? <laughs> because, like, at, at this, this point... point I would not have been surprised. I literally, like, was watching it with Emily, our other roommate, and, like, last night when it was on, and I was literally like, this is Veronica's living room. I was like, like, can't you hear each other? Can't, like, I don't know. It would make me uncomfortable, make, like, macking on somebody knowing that, like, my friends were, like, doing it in my living room right there, you know? I'm like, that's kind of a... Yeah, but remember 
Remember when they were at Ronnie's Lodge and they did the same thing? That's true. Oh, yeah. And then they, like, heard Bughead upstairs and they were like, ha, 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 kooky teens. Yeah, they're, like, all so flippin' weird about, like, their (laughs) sex lives. You know what I thought was so funny is that I tweeted about that and then our friend Joanna, who I mentioned before, she tweeted me back and was like, that would be awkward if Veronica or Archie needed to get a glass of water. (laughs) And I was like, like, what a weird hypothetical, but I totally agree. Bro, even logistically, why didn't Bughead, like, stay in her parents' room? or a guest room yeah literally what well, just go somewhere else go to a different room that place is huge like that made me laugh because like it is very teenager where you're like oh okay well they've just started making out so let's go like that's that's very much like a teenage thing but because it was this show i was like are they making out because they're all about to have an orgy because i don't want to watch that no and also veronica and archie have done the same thing like on the carpet in front of the fireplace do you remember that oh yeah I think it was, like, the mid-season of, like, season two or something, and then Archie was like, Veronica, I love you, and she was like, whoop, and that was the episode where she was like, uh-oh. Wait, was that season two? Yeah, that was the Black Hood season. Yeah, it was season two. Yeah. Feels so long ago, and yet not long at all. It actually feels like it was yesterday. Yeah. Um, Since they're all still together in the exact same couples. Switch it up. The amount of times I'm going to talk about Marchy this episode is staggering, so just prepare for that. Okay. Like- I just feel like they're doing this specifically for me and they just like really took our advice. Yeah, I feel like they really took our notes on like them being flippant about really important plot lines and they're like, hey, let's please the aficionados in particular. Like this was the best Mad Dog and Archie episode so far and I'm considering Mm -hmm. making a gift set. Oh, wow, that's a big deal. Yeah, like of just the Mad Dog and Archie moments, like like the like understated ones where like the the focus isn't really on them. especially the one at Cheryl's party that was exciting for me I maybe have a picture of myself that our that Emily took um it's incredible of me just being really excited it's literally like it is what pure joy looks like <laughs> like I saw the picture and I was like yeah that makes sense she's just really happy I just feel like this is literally like that time that you took a picture of yourself crying about Jughead and then Lily tweeted it uh it was a video video sorry it was worse It was like three minutes long and then Lily retweeted it and then Camila liked it and it had like 600 likes. It was deeply embarrassing. It was like back in season one when I was like, Jughead is the gift to this show. (laughs) I was like, I love Cole Sprouse. I've been listening to our old episodes recently and I said, and I, I had to stop because I was like cringing a little bit because I literally was like, one day I hope that my husband loves me as much as I love Cole Sprouse. I said that. Yeah, uh, you sure did. Um, yeah, I said that. I want to know, I want you to know that the restraint of not making fun of you was heroic. I appreciate it. You kind of did, though, I gotta say. Yeah, but like, to an amount where you weren't going to cry about it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that we talked about all of that because my uh, my note was nothing of note until the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Veronica's couch for both Betty and Jughead sounds uncomfy. Betty would have fallen off 100%. I don't know. Sam and I did once sleep on a thing that narrow and we both lived. It just seemed like Jughead, Jughead's arm was like holding her up basically. And if Jughead falls asleep, like his arm's going to go limp and she's going to fall off the couch. I just feel like that's true. All right. I don't know. I'll allow it. So when we first meet Mr. Honey and he says he's Weatherby's replacement, my brain was like, Ooh, where's Weatherby? And then I remembered Weatherby's at the farm. Oh, for a second I thought he was dead. No, he's just, he ascended. Um, at the same time, can we talk about how a honey replaced a bee? Oh my god. (laughs) 
thank you so much for saying that. Um, uh, yeah, I'll keep it. Thanks. And at the same time, she was like, he was like, Mr. Honey. And I'm like, Miss Honey would never allow this kind of treatment of students. How dare you use the same name? Just wondering if every time he does something ridiculous, we can both go, oh, honey. Oh, honey. Yeah, we Just definitely should. Yeah, no, okay, we're going great. to. Cool. Okay, great. Honey. What honey. the hell? Yeah, honey, listen. Oh, honey. Lace, honey, honey, honey. <laughs> Why there was a circuit party, honey, in 1991, honey? Something with laces, something, honey. I was out for two days. <laughs> You're <a mess>. Honey, <laughs> honey, <laughs> honey, <laughs> honey, honey. <laughs> my my last note on this like little beginning piece is this guy is an ass. Uh, yeah, T. I have more thoughts on him throughout the notes obviously but first of all i don't like him thanks but the funny thing is like he's actually not an ass he's actually doing a job that weatherby totally failed at he's just being so negative about it that's true he does have a very that's why it's annoying here's the thing he's being an ass but he's also doing his job exactly i which i don't think anyone in that school has done before yeah i agree i feel like all of the things that he's doing make sense he's just um, a jerk about it he's just being a jerk about it exactly so like in, if he's like i need to cancel your dance you don't have to be such a jerk about it you can say i'm so sorry but like i have to cancel the dance and i also feel like if cheryl then had the party then it'd be like if it was me i'd be like well i did my job yeah i'd be like okay so you found a compromise that's fine yeah great so that worked out for us i love that for us you know but ugh, it's a whole thing i'm i'm looking forward to him being sort of like a foil to the kids we got so many new characters all like a lot like i almost yeah. include charles in that because we're first like actually really meeting him now exactly a lot of white men though i gotta say uh yeah t mm-hmm I didn't even mm -hmm. notice that, but yeah, you're totally right. Yeah. Which is, and that oh, feels boy. like something I would have noticed. Am I okay? I have a lot of thoughts about Brett. Um, it's this the guy who like gives Jughead the little tour or whatever. Uh, I swear, I was doing my notes this morning and I kept like going out into the living room to like yell at Emily about Brett. Brett seems like a boy. I have a lot of thoughts. And you have to bleep me out because I feel like people are going to know what I said. So just keep the boy in. Yeah, I, I have a lot of thoughts. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, But we're going to move on to Veronica first. Cool, 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 cool. Veronica's lawyer, Mr. Sourberry, urges her to decide which of her parents she'll side with in court. She doesn't want to side with either of them. While she walks in the hallway with Archie, Veronica is ambushed by reporters wanting to know about her parents. She pulls the fire alarm to escape. After River Vixen's practice, Veronica catches some random in the locker room. After she pushes him around, he reveals that someone offered to pay him $500 for a photo of Veronica. The next day, Mr. Honey tries to urge Veronica to leave Riverdale High because of an article that claims that she did all of the crimes her father committed. Veronica asks Reggie if he was the leak. He wasn't, and also he has a black eye because his father sucks. More on that later. Veronica brings out the blonde wig and dons her Monica Posh alter ego to go see her father, who tells her that she's a lodge and get used to the drama, which is basically that scene. The reporters all show up to Veronica's house, and she tells them that she's going to have a press conference at the speakeasy. She does a burlesque performance <laughs> for the reporters, I guess? 
and tells them that she doesn't stand with either of her parents. She only stands with herself. The next day, Veronica is filling out her Harvard application and considers changing her last name to Hermione's maiden name, Gomez. So why do these reporters... Like, who are these reporters, and why did Honey let them in the school? Yeah, literally. So, let me see here. What did I write? How did the reporters get in, in the middle of the school day? Honey, question mark? But, like, would Honey do that and disrupt his precious precious school? When I was doing my notes today, I was like, oh, there's no one in the hallways. It must be after school. And then I remembered when she pulls the fire alarm, then everybody comes out of class. And then I'm like, what where, What are you guys doing then? Yeah, they might have had a spare. Do you have a free period? Do you, it, it must be a free yeah. period, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how they got in. Like, after that- Man, I wish periods were free. Good then joke. that's why- Oh, I got it. It was good. Thanks. But like, I guess the reporters get thrown out, which is why- rumordale.com which by the way is iconic yeah that one's really good and i love it which is why rumordale.com has to pay a a student to do their work but like are there that many people in riverdale who are that obsessed with veronica lodge like probably not oh right but hiram hired them so he probably just paid a bunch of people to do it you think i think hiram like i mean he did confirm that he was the leak right so i wouldn't be surprised if he also hired a bunch of people and gave them tips and stuff i feel like there's like five of them that are actual reporters which are the people that actually go to the press conference yeah and maybe hiram didn't actually know about the press conference and that's why none of his people were there i don't know exactly i mean who else would offer 500 dollars for black basically blackmail on veronica right if you're from rumordale.com and it's just about Riverdale. Riverdale's apparently supposed to be a small town. Like, you must not have that many assets, I gotta say. Yeah, like, where are y'all gonna get that budget? Yeah. And I mean, he does own the register. Yeah, that's true. Oh my god, is the whole- is the mystery of the season gonna be who's behind Rumordale? Is this gonna be Gossip Girl? Ooh, XOXO, Rumordale. Oh my god, I feel like I'm right. <laughs> um, okay, so why is Veronica still using Sourberry? We- I think we met Sourberry in, um, season one with, oh, yeah. uh, all of the Hiram and Hermione stuff. And she continues to use Sourberry even though he was the lawyer for uh, both of her parents. Probably because it's what she knew and she forgot yeah. that she could hire Sierra. It's a family friend or something. Yeah, true. <laughs> or Mary, they're both here. But go off. They were like, well, the plot demands that we involve the other lodges, so. Veronica says that she's a shoe-in for Harvard. Other than her being like a business owner, we've like she's never we've never really seen her be like book smart, so this actually seemed like kind of weird to me. See, I just thought it was a given that Ronnie had good grades. Yeah, and then because her family is so prestigious, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. When they said that, I was like, eh? I think it you makes know? sense for her. Sure. Like Harvard Business School? I guess the other thing is that like she's never, she's never like said something like that before. I mean, not all of us can be Rory Gilmore and like never shut up about it, you know what I mean? But, um, you know. Not all of us can be Rory Gilmore and never shut up about it and then not go there and then totally <laughs> blow her time there and then completely <laughs> waste her job that she I would like give my left hand to have. I mean, what? <laughs> Who said that? Who hated the Gilmore Girls reboot? Not me. Uh, maybe me. Yeah, it was me. I freaking loathed it entirely. Yeah, I'm still sad. Anyway. Okay. Okay, so Veronica gets really mad at the guy who's trying to take a picture of her, and she rips out his camera. I do have to say, I, I think it was really inappropriate for him to go into the locker room for this, when he could just yes. see her in the hallway, but if I was Veronica, I'd literally be like, you know what? I get it. Respect the hustle, man. Here's a picture of me like this. Ding! You know, with your little fist right in beneath your chin and you with the, and you can do like a finger gun 
You would reward him for sneaking in? I'd be like, hey, we all need $500. Or maybe, I mean, Veronica's rich, so she wouldn't do this. But if it was me, I'd be like, give me half the cut and here's your photo. Ding. That's genuinely what I thought she was going to do. Really? Yes. I thought she would be like, fine, give me half and you can have a picture. Yeah. Or she's like, here's your picture. Gives him the middle finger. (laughs) Exactly. But genuinely, I was like, respect the hustle, man. I wish somebody would pay me $500 to get a picture of someone I already am in the vicinity of. Respect the drip, Karen. (laughs) Yeah. So my next note was, who was the inside? source of the nightclub one of the poisons peaches maybe lol never mind it was Hiram so I wrote yeah, that like I was like a bit a bit later I was like ma'am what I was like was it peaches uh is this something that we're gonna no it doesn't matter he already told whoops peaches is like whatever man why does Veronica think she's Hannah Montana she just puts on a blonde wig and nobody can recognize her anymore the fact that she didn't even bother with a lace front is haunting <laughs> me like it doesn't look good. That wig is bad, and it has been, and it, ha- and it has been bad. It's a tragedy. That wig is a tragedy. It's very sad. I think it's clear that set-wise, like on the actual set, the door isn't actually being like knocked on because the door would move if it was being knocked on as hard as it was. Yeah, that was pretty invasive too. Hey, like the reporters, like oh, super. How did you even hounding at her like that? Like how did you even get in the uh, in the apartment building? You know what? This would never happen if Andre was still alive. That's a good point. Or is Smithers a back or, or... What a fun, cute question. Who's guarding them now? Like, Smithers was, like, doing... Remember he met... Jughead at the bus stop? Jughead at that bus stop? Yeah, and then but and like then he did something else. Where is he now? One second, let me look. This is really important. Okay. Okay, Smithers. After firing their last two capos, Veronica calls forth her inner circle... That being Smithers and Reggie, they need to show strength during a time of weakness. Smithers recalled a moment back in the trenches where their numbers were greatly diminished and their enemy could storm the barricade at any moment. And so Smithers collected the helmets from their dead and propped them atop of their bayonets high enough to create the illusion that their numbers were greater than they actually were, causing their enemies to pause. From that, Veronica comes up with the idea that will require Smithers' bus driver cap. Veronica arrives at the docks with Smithers as the driver and Reggie in the back with his face hidden and only the hat on his head visible as he impersonates Hiram. Veronica begins collecting from all the businesses her father has a hand in and her ruse works like a charm. I thought something else happened. I gotta say. I thought it was later in the season. Yeah, me too. I thought that... He was like, for some reason, I remember someone being like, Smithers, you're back hired or something. But maybe I made that up. No, because I thought so, too. It says it says on his uh, Riverdale wiki page that he was in last episode, but I don't recall that. Maybe he was in a funeral scene. Season three screen cat. He was only in that one episode in season three. Oh, he was in two episodes. Oh, never mind. He was only in one episode, but he was mentioned in another episode. That's sad. Bring back Smithers. Uh, okay, anyway. When did they have time to rehearse this burlesque performance? I mean, they had all those months. I guess. Maybe, you know what? If I could make this make more sense, because I genuinely had a problem with this scene. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Why would you invite the reporters to this? And it's awkward because there's only like five of them there. And like, if I was one of the reporters, I'd be like, yes, a press conference. Great. This is what I've been waiting for. And then I show up and I'm like, why am I watching these teenagers? Like, am I allowed? Is this legal? Like, genuinely, I do have to say, like, as somebody, like, there was a burlesque uh, show in Red Deer in my hometown every year. I was never in it, but my friends were in it. And, like, I know a little bit about it. Like, you have to be 18 to be in the burlesque performance. You have to because... Otherwise, oh, yeah. it's, like, illegal. It's weird. Yeah. It's just weird. It's it, it's children dancing 
like sexily. Yeah. I don't, I wish I hadn't said that, but I did. And now I can't take it back. Yeah. Like it's literally illegal. Like, would you not feel weird? The thing is, the- would you not feel weird? Like going to this show? Oh, oh my God. I would leave. And being like, oh, that's a 17 year old. I'm having a great time. No, nah, you can't do that. I'd be out. My thing is like, the thing that I friggin' loved about this was the idea of it, which is juxtaposing literally all that jazz with a press conference talking about how she's innocent, which is literally what they do in Chicago. Yeah, can you speak more about that? Like, okay, so like I was obsessed with Chicago when I was younger and like I could never figure out why, but now it was like, you're gay. But they they have this whole thing where like Velma Kelly is performing this... Um, she's performing all that jazz and it's like the opening number and you find out later that she is literally she had literally just come from murdering her husband and her sister went to that and then was arrested afterwards and like gives like this rousing performance so like a lot of chicago is like you know they're giving these you know incredible press conferences and there's a lot of subterfuge and saying oh well you know we both reached for the gun and you know it was a crime of passion and things like that and like very sort of stylistically beautiful and so like that's when they were doing this i was like oh i see what they're going for the problem is that those are 16 year old girls well like that's the thing is that they're in your their senior year now i turned 18 during my senior year but we don't know where any of their birthdays are except for Jughead and I don't it was like 10 episodes into season one but like how much time does season one even take you know so it's like I don't know when Jughead's birthday is are they all like are they 18 yeah, I now like I don't know 17 wait yeah I was 17 when I graduated high school but I was a September baby so that might make sense yeah you're a September baby so that's what you that's what you get but um I don't know. It's just like, I, probably at this point, we're going to, you know, as they turn into 18, I guess we'll have like less complaints about this sort of thing. Yeah. But even like, even in like stylistically, I was just like, these girls don't know how to do burlesque. Mm-hmm. Like burlesque has its own rhythm, its own like look, its own style, and they don't know how to do it. Yeah. And like, obviously, Cammy did a wonderful job and she's a great singer. So like, absolutely, I'm not like implying anything about Cammy. What I'm saying is we should leave burlesque to actual burlesque performers. Thank you. Good night. You know what I just realized that makes it even more awkward? What? Like subconsciously, I think this is the reason why I was I was so secondhand embarrassed about it was because when we get songs in Riverdale, it's usually like Josie singing them or whatever. And they're standing in one place. Right? Yeah. But with this, there's a bunch of people walking around dancing in heels and they like either fully it or like shoot it specifically but like they have them all like walk like I can hear all of them walking yeah because it's burlesque because it's burlesque and it would be weird if we couldn't hear them walking but because we hear them walking it just feels weird does that make sense no it makes sense too because I was listening and I was like yeah that makes sense like the sound of like movement i think you know from the shows that i've been to is part of that is of course and with the number all that jazz all that jazz is a very fully heavy sound or a very fully heavy song because you're hearing velma through it Mm -hmm. like you hear her slap her own thighs you hear her like shimmy and shake her dress but i guess because they weren't doing that sort of thing they had to substitute it for their feet yeah i don't know (laughs) it just was like the whole time i was like why is this happening because it felt like she invited the reporters like like, if I was a reporter, I'd be like, oh, great. And then I'd show up and I'd be like, why am I here? I think if Where's I was the one of the reporters, conference? I'd be like, I'm not a talent agent. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, 
I can't get you any jobs. I don't know. God, can you imagine how those articles would come out for the print version? After a rousing yeah. burlesque performance of all that jazz, Veronica sat down with reporters <laughs> to discuss where she stands on the topic of her parents. That's so embarrassing. That's like, so embarrassing. Was, that's such a 2019 headline, though. Yeah, if I read that, I'd be like, oh, okay. Like, if you read that today, you'd be like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. So the press conference is weird because there's only, like, five of them there. And then I'm like, how did they clear out the speakeasy? Was, like, literally anybody else even there? Because I don't think we ever see the audience. So now I'm like, is it my headcanon that she did this burlesque performance for these five per- reporters and that's it? That would be incredible. <laughs> I'm so uncomfortable. But then I'm like, maybe the press conference was happening before, but then I thought that she like specifically said that it was going to be after a performance. She did specifically say after, because I remember she said after and I thought, oh no. But okay, so then they like immediately like full on clear out the speakeasy. They're like, thanks for coming. Get out. Yeah. Okay. Um, My last uh, question about this uh, storyline was why change your name to your mom's if you don't stand with her like I understand why she's changing her name away from being a lodge but if you don't stand with either of your parents why change it to your mother's name I think because it's already an established name in the canon of the show mm-hmm. and it's easier than pulling a name out of thin air and saying oh she's picking this one now right and it might yeah. be a subtle like implication that Hermione can be redeemed in the eyes of the yeah. audience, whereas Hiram maybe can't. Yeah, I I would agree with that. That's what I'd guess anyway. Do you have any other Veronica thoughts? No. Okay. Hey, Brittany, could you tell me what Patreon is? Sure. Patreon, in case you didn't know, is a service <laughs> where you can donate monthly to your favorite creators. Oh, awesome. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Well, I mean, like, if you want an example, like, we have one. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's kind of weird that you didn't know that. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you, but it's patreon.com slash theafficionados, so you should, like, write it down. Yeah, I'm the one that, like, gets all of the donations and then, like, figures out where they go. So, like, it's weird that I was like, where is this money coming from? (laughs) Yeah, did you just think it was free money? Because that's really awkward. Man, I wish there was free money. We need that money for for our hosting our bajillion podcast that we have because it costs a lot of money to have SoundCloud Pro. Oh yeah, you're right. So in case you're wondering where your money goes, that's where it goes. And what do I get anything if I become a patron? Yes, like first of all, donations start at a dollar a month, which is- I can afford a dollar a month. Which is not bad because like donating to Defunct Land, I have to do a minimum of $5 and I'm like, I'm going to do it, but I'm not going to be happy about it. Yeah, I, um, I- support Pentatonix and Try Guys at $3 because that's their lowest one. Yeah, $3, like, friggin' Philip DeFranco was like, give me a dollar. And I was like, I would love to give you a dollar. Yeah, I can afford a dollar. So that's basically what um, you could start paying us. And you will get early access to our episodes, some exclusive clips, fun things like that. Awesome. Um, And hey, I heard that one, our, your anniversary is coming up. I mean, it sure is. And if you're interested... Because our anniversary is coming up, we will send you a postcard to say thank you. And I redesign every, it every year, so don't worry. It's special. Every year we design a postcard we um, and we send it out to everyone who is a patron. Uh, and our anniversary is November 16th. It's the day that we decided to, after, I wouldn't say getting fired, but... <laughs> uh, basically, um, our old company closed and we thought, well, we like talking to each other. Let's do this on our own. 
And then we moved in together and it's like this whole thing. Yeah, we had like way more freedom and we could do more than one show. And like, like if we hadn't done that, this podcast that you're listening to right now would not exist. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So November 16th was that day. Um, And I don't think we put out our first episode until January, but like... This was like Jen, November 16th was the day. And so if you become a patron, honestly, I would say like by the end of the year, because we usually have a little bit of extra postcards, then we will send you a postcard. It will say aficionados three year anniversary on it in some sort of way. And it's going to be awesome. Um, but if you want to make sure that you get one, you should become a patron before November 16th. Are you ready to be upset at what I'm about to say? Uh, okay. Cool. So we conceived the aficionados on the 16th. And then we finally Mm -hmm. delivered it in January. (laughs) We gave birth in January. (laughs) (laughs) Left it all out on the table. Uh, So there you go. And took something home with us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wrapped it up in blankets, kissed its little forehead, and said, in 18 years, we will let you go. Are you just describing Kobe now? Yeah, Yeah, sure. Okay. Okay, so let's move on to Cheryl. I wish I was petting my cat right now. I'm going to do it right That's now. That's hurtful. Pet. Pet. Oh, I woke him up. Oh, no. oh I'm sorry. Oh, no. I'm sorry, Kobe. Him's just oh, a little guy. Him need him sleep. I'm sorry. Okay. I think he forgives me. Yeah, he's like, oh, okay. Well, I got pets. That's fine. Okay, now let's talk about Cheryl. Oh, man. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of all caps in this summary. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, here we go. Cheryl asks Jason's dead body what she should wear for school, and acts like he answers? Cheryl, what is happening here? Cheryl, are you okay? (laughs) Cheryl and Tony go to see Mr. Honey to talk about the dance. He's canceling it due to the fact that the Black Hood murdered a bunch of people last time. Cheryl doesn't like that. Later that night, Tony goes looking for Cheryl in Thistle House, I think? Sure. I think they're still in Thistle House. She almost gets to where Jason is, but Cheryl stops her. Instead of throwing a school dance, Cheryl is going to host a party here at her house. The next day, they give out the invitations to every human in existence. At the party, everyone's having a great time. Cheryl makes the vow to have Honey out by homecoming, so we'll see if that happens. Reggie almost gets into Jason's room because he needs to pee, but Cheryl catches him. FP shows up to shut down the party because of a noise complaint. None of their neighbors would do that, so who was it? FP says it was Mr. Honey. In the morning, Cheryl goes to the office. She has put an entire beehive, honey, (laughs) bees, and all on Mr. Honey's desk. I mean, okay, first of all, FP. Oh, honey. Oh, honey. FP, I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to say which person complained. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Those calls are supposed to be anonymous. You ding dong. (laughs) He's, He's still learning. I guess the the theme of the last couple years is white dudes learning on the job. Roles they weren't supposed to be in. Sorry. Are you are you okay? I'm good. I just feeling a lot. Cool. Okay. So this my first note here actually totally goes with one of the things that you texted me while you were watching today. Um, Jason actually doesn't look that gruesome. Yeah. Why isn't Jason rotting? He should be like falling apart. It's been over a year. Yeah, he should, I mean... It's been over two years? Embalming only goes so far. It's been over two years. It's been over two years. No. Like, I was like, (laughs) me, horrible. Get me rotting, Jason! Give us rotting, Jason! Like, if if they're gonna do this with Cheryl, they need to go all the way with it. Like, it has to be gruesome in order for us to really understand how screwed up it is. So, like, 
I need to see Cheryl desperately trying to keep Jason's body together. Yeah, literally like sew it back Exactly. On. Like I think that would mm-hmm. communicate just how disgusting and screwed up this is because right now you're just like, ha, Cheryl's talking to her dead brother. That's so weird. And it's like, no, 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 no. There's a rotting body sitting in front of her that she is projecting onto. This girl needs help. I um what are you doing? I I'm I'm looking something up just because um my next note was that uh she says that Tony is acting vice president, but I don't remember who it was before. Wasn't it Archie? No, didn't Archie win oh, right. the presidency and then he was framed for murder? Who ran with Cheryl? It wasn't Reggie, right? No, because Reggie ran with Josie. Ran with Josie. Yeah. And then Veronica... Are you proud of me that I kind of remembered that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Veronica ran with Archie. Betty ran with Jughead. But I don't know who ran with Cheryl. And so I was trying to look that up because I remember Veronica, because it was one of my favorite line awards. I remember Veronica going up to Shoney and saying, President Blossom, First Lady Topaz. Oh my God, I forgot how good that was. Wait, is it possible that Josie- No, Josie wouldn't have done that. Because I was like, oh, you could explain that by Josie being gone. But no. Yeah. Who was it that Josie like fully betrayed? It was Veronica. Veronica was running and then Josie like fully betrayed her by being like, I'll sing a song. And then being like going with Ethel or something. I don't remember. Anyway, I guess it doesn't matter. At the last student dance, multiple students were murdered. I yeah, laughed. so did I. I I hate that I'm giving one of the first favorite line awards of season four to Mr. Honey because I don't like him, but that line was And great. so warranted. I love when the mm-hmm. show actually yeah. acknowledges how uh, insane it is. Like, for example, like on Twitter, Kingstoken said um, that, like, that they had to, that Marion and Sierra prepared all of the things for Archie's murder trial. And I was like, I gotta say, starting Riverdale back in 2017, did I ever think that we would be talking about Archie's murder trial? Ooh, such a good point. Yeah. You know, like, this show is just ridiculous. That's why it's like, the last student dance, multiple students were murdered. I'm like, ah. And then I, like, texted you and I'm like, it's so weird seeing a regular person come into this insane environment and be like, um, do you realize that your school (laughs) dances have a body count? Yeah. (laughs) Um, do you think that Mr. Honey is specifically trying to be unlikable? Um. Like, obviously, the character is supposed to be unlikable, so the actor is trying yeah. to be unlikable. But is Mr. Honey, like, is this a teaching tactic that he is trying to use? Is he trying to be unlikable and why? I think that Mr. Honey is one of those people who thinks that he is going to walk into a position he sees all of the issues and he's going to solve all of them. He knows best. And so anything right. that deviates from that path, i.e. coming across a Cheryl Blossom, is going to irritate mm-hmm. him hugely. That's the thing is it's like, I genuinely think that Mr. Honey saying I'm canceling the dance, he didn't actually, he wasn't that harsh about it. He was like, I'm canceling the dance. She says, why? Because it's, because multiple students were murdered. And then she starts being like, but student dances are good. We need it to keep up morale or whatever. And he says, sorry, no, it's not. I don't think he says sorry, he, but he says yeah. it's not happening. He's quite snippy about it, but he's also um, someone who's looking at a teenager trying to finesse him. And he's like, no. Yeah. And then, and then as, like I said, if she had then done the party, I would have been like, okay, I'm glad we came to a compromise, but he doesn't do that. He has to be petty right. about it. And yeah, like at the very first part, I thought, okay, he's a teacher. He's kind of strict especially seeing him like with the core four at the beginning there when he's just like, I don't tolerate anything. I was like, I don't really like him. But yeah, he just keeps getting worse. He strongly reminds me of the principal from Back to the Future. 
Tell me more about that. There's there's this principal in Back to the Future. I think it's name, his name is Strickland or something. And um, every time that Marty is late, he yells at Marty. He tells him to shape up. He can't be like his father. Like, get to school on time, McFly. Get to your classes on time, McFly. Do your homework, McFly. Like, he's so strict. And, like, M- Mr. Mm-hmm. Honey reminds me exactly of that guy. Interesting. So... Tony is walking down the hallway with the candelabra. Mm -hmm. Candelabra? Sure. Yeah. Right? right? Candle? Yeah. Like a candlestick is one. Candelabra is multiple, right? Yeah. Okay. So she's she's walking down with the candelabra and it just as like we were at Disney World last We sure were. And I think I rode Haunted Mansion three times. Yeah. So watching her go down the hallway with a three-pronged candelabra <laughs> was very reminiscent of the ghost in Haunted Mansion walking down the hallway with a three-pronged candelabra. On her way to murder her husband. For better or for worse. For worse. <laughs> did you do the hand movement? I did yeah. the hand movement. <laughs> she holds up the axe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, here is a moment in which we are validated in one of the things that we were talking about, I think, last episode. We knew that Tony didn't know about Jason. Yes. That's Um, it. We're just smart. What's going to happen when Tony finds out about Jason? I'm worried about it. I really like Shoney together, and they are clearly very happy. (sighs) Um, I mean, Roberto, the showrunner, said that they have absolutely no plans to break up Shoney. So whatever- That's good to hear. Whatever happens, like, will obviously not break them entirely. But I'm like, how do you deal with your girlfriend keeping the dead body of her brother in a room where she talks to him and consults him about her fashion choices? Even if they don't break up, I believe every season they have had, that they've been together, they have had, like, some sort of fight or falling out. Oh, yeah, like, drama. So... Because teenagers. So something's gonna happen, and it's probably gonna be about this. I mean, I would hope so, because if Tony immediately understands, I'm gonna be like, Tony, are you okay? Yeah, I'm gonna be like, Tony... Tony... Tony wasn't... Was Tony at the farm? Yes, she was. But yeah. and she was and she was gonna get her kidney taken out or whatever, and then but then she didn't because Betty saved her or something, right? Yes. Yeah. Hence so, the dragging me off to get a lobotomy thing. Yeah. So I'm like, if Tony had not been on the farm, I think I was confusing it with the sisters when Tony came to save Cheryl from the sisters. Um <laughs> Romantic. Romantic. But if Tony had not been with the farm, then I would be absolutely certain that she'd be like, Cheryl, you're a crazy person. We need to get you help. But because she was with the farm, I'm a little apprehensive. Ooh, that's a good point. You know, I don't know. Oh, I'm upset because I think you're right. Yeah. So uh, as they are handing out the invitations, which that's what it was in the trailer. Yes. Invitations. Yes. Yes. Um, they are playing Archie's Party by the Archies, which is a great choice. That was so cool. I loved that. I feel like this show this season is really um, going for like a meta approach. They use the Archies yeah. in the exact perfect moments. Exactly. Like they and don't. Like, they don't go go overboard ever. Yeah, I like that the show, even though it's always kind of self aware, now it's self aware at the right moments. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes a difference in terms of like how fun these moments are. Yeah, I, one of my notes was just, I cannot believe that she antagonized Mr. Honey right to his face. Like there's being petty, there's being petty, like in the background and there's going up to him and saying, you have no control over me and then walking away, you know, like that's an authority figure at your school. I was actually unhappy about that line for a different reason, which is that I feel like it was so unnecessary. 
Oh, yeah. Like the scene spoke for itself. You didn't need to like textually say, you don't have any power over me. Like the walk forward and the hair flip really did that for her. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. The hair flip was iconic though. Yeah. Like let's not pretend it wasn't. So a lot of things happen at this party, which are in um, a lot of different storylines. Um, but my favorite part is Archie and Mad Dog. Oh my god, I'm shocked. They're just like so standing so close together with their red solo cups and like laughing because they're friends. And I'm like, hello? Every time Archie kisses Veronica this episode, I'm like, but what about Mad Dog? I Mad mean, Dog like, makes Archie likable. Yes, he does. Like genuinely. Archie this season, like everything Archie does this season, I'm like, yeah, Archie, you go, Arch. Standing up to Marty Mantle? Hello? Oh my god, when he stood up to Marty Mantle and like inserted himself into a situation that he knew he was doing the right thing, I was like, Archie, that's my boy. <laughs> Archie was never likable. I used to wish that you would die. <laughs> Archie was never likable until he met Mad Dog and now he's likable. It's amazing. Brief pause for very loud crime. Is that is that you or me? That's you. Yeah. Oh yeah. That crime be heckin' loud. Crime though. Must be big crime. Okay, moving on. Cool. But that was probably one of my favorite parts in the entire episode is just like background Marchie. Thank you. I'm going to make a gift set. Robin loves Marchie. Take, take a shot. I'm going to make, since I can't enjoy sweet SPF because Sweet Pea is off yonder wherever, which I'm still waiting for an explanation. Like genuinely, I wouldn't like it, but I would be happy if they literally were just like mentioned that Sweet Pea was also at the farm. You know, like I just want to know where he is. I just want an explanation as to where he's been. You know, like even if they had said, even if they said that he was at the farm with Fangs, I'd be okay because at least I know where he is and that they didn't forget about him, you know? Exactly. So I'm just waiting for them to bring up Sweet Pea again. Um, but since I can't fangirl over SPF, Marchie is my thing. I'm excited about it, especially also because um, uh, Snake Parents was hardly happening. Like, we're going to have two ships going at once soon, which is exciting. We just got to be patient for Snake Parents because I know it's coming. Yeah, yeah just got to be patient. And um, like last season when Snake Parents was like hardly anything was happening with Snake Parents. So I just like latched onto Marchie. Last season... I'm I'm confident in saying last season we got done dirty. Yeah, oh fully. Like snake parents, they understand what they did wrong and they're gonna try and fix it. I yeah, truly believe. I yeah. believe that too, because Skeet and Machen actually seem excited about it. Whereas last yeah. season they were excited and then that excitement quickly died and like they were yeah. like, sorry guys. And we were like, Yeah, why do you Sad. keep doing this to us? Um, so Jason is just literally just covered with a sheet. Like his yeah. hand is out. His it's hand so is outside the sheet. Be careful. To me, it's very, um, if you're hiding him, be careful. It's psycho. Like, not in terms of, like, the activity, but in terms of the film. Tell me more. I just, I'm pretty sure that uh, Norman Bates kept Norma Bates. I think she was covered by a sheet at some point. But it's, like, it's very horror-esque. Mm, okay, cool. Um, I liked seeing Tony and Jughead chatting at the party because remember when Friendship... Oh my god, I forgot that they were friends. The end of season two, I genuinely was like, the real core four is Jughead, Tony, Sweet Pea, and Fangs. True. And they mean the heckin' world to me. And now I'm like, where are Sweet Pea and Fangs? Like, I truly am really disappointed that... Tony is not fighting for getting Fangs back like Betty is fighting for Alice because they've they're like supposed to be best friends like where like what, what yeah but they had a lot of conflict that? last season what other than like he kept he stayed at the farm and she like they were also at the farm together oh, that's right they were th I think the show might have forgotten that they were friends which is really sad because they were like they were like uh 
a unit. I mean, they've also, like, what's going on with the Southside Serpents? Like, there's a lot of stuff that so far hasn't been addressed, but might be addressed later. My true hope is that the way they bring back Sweet Pea is that Sweet Pea, like, barges into Charles's office and is just like, where's Fangs? Help! I need to help get Fangs back. Because if Sweet Pea was here, we wouldn't, like... People wouldn't be forgetting about him. But I wonder if Tony's choice not to do it is because maybe she's angry at things and embarrassed that she and Cheryl fell into the farm trap in the first place. Sure. Okay. Like, I think we'll like maybe touch on that. Like, I'd like to know where Tony's head is at in terms of like the farm fallout. Mm hmm. Yeah. The old FF. Yeah. Um, Cheryl mentions that all of her neighbors are either deaf or dead. Uh, okay. 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 What about Nana Rose? Yeah, where is Nana Rose? She just has earplugs in and is sleeping. Yeah. Oh my god, me? Yeah. Um, and then this stuff with Mr. Honey, I believe, is two days later. Because this episode seems to go over the course of like a week. Yeah. Like I'm writing my summary and being like the next day and then the next day and then the next day. But like, because in between the party was the burlesque performance, which means that it was at least two days since the party. Yeah. I think. Okay. Also, I knew it was honeycombs. Uh, thank you. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Uh, can we move on? Yes. So now we're going to talk about Archie and Reggie. This is, I like this storyline the best, I think. Me too. Archie's boxing with Mad Dog the day before... When... Ha, have we ever said that Archie's storyline was our favorite? Um, last season I think we did because we were warming up to Archie so much. Not at the beginning, that's for sure. Oh, for sure. At the but beginning the we end, were rooting maybe. for him to go to jail. Yeah. <laughs> I literally, like, my tweets back then, like, that are coming up on my time hop are like, incarcerate him! Literally, incarcerate him! <laughs> and then I, like, quote tweeted it, like, this year and I was like, no, wait, please. I please don't incarcerate him. I, I I love him now. Remember when he got attacked by the bear and we were like, eh, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. And then like three episodes later, we were like, that's my child. Don't touch him. <laughs> okay. Archie's boxing with Mad Dog the day before school senior year and Archie invites him to come back to school with him. Mad Dog is apprehensive, but how can he say no to his boyfriend Archie who wants him to join the football team with him? Wow. At school, Archie asks the coach, Coach Clayton that is, if Mad Dog can join. Coach tells that tells him to come to practice. This doesn't sit right with Reggie. At football practice, Reggie messes up and Marty Mantle yells at him and pushes him around. In the locker room, Reggie antagonizes Mad Dog, who now goes by his real name, which is Monroe. Archie breaks up the fight. He reminds Reggie that he's the captain and to act like it. After Veronica sees Reggie's black eye, she tells Archie about it. She believes that Marty hurts him. At the next practice, Marty roughs Reggie around again. Archie stands up for him, but Reggie then attacks Archie for being mean to his dad. At Cheryl's party, Reggie antagonizes Monroe again. Archie takes him away, and they talk about his father and what's been happening to him. They discuss what a good father Fred was and how jealous that made Reggie. Reggie's going to stand up to his dad, finally. Reggie takes a baseball bat to the windshield of his dad's fancy car. That'll start a conversation. The next day, Reggie tells Archie that he talked with his dad and hopefully things will be better now. I mean, okay, like, firstly, let's get this right out of the way. Um, one conversation does not stop abuse. Like, that's not- That's for sure. That's not how that works. Um, yeah. I'm hoping that this is a step in the right direction, but, like, I love this storyline. Mm-hmm. I love that they didn't forget it. Me too. I feel like I was waiting- yeah. I was waiting for them to bring that back up again. You know, I'm like, I don't want to see Marty Mantle's face unless you're calling him out. Exactly. Because you know? remember, like, they had, like, that parents meeting and we were like, Marty Mantle was just sitting there as if he didn't beat his son. Yeah, I remember that. We were like, Marty Mantle, we see you and you can choke. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I did like the the realism of having Reggie attack Archie, probably for two reasons, which is one, that's his dad. And mm -hmm. two, 
what if he gets blamed for what Archie says? Yeah, exactly. I I actually do you mind if I talk about Lost for a quick sec? Wow. No, uh I'm I'm shocked that you would want to talk about Lost. Yeah. Um, so in the first season, we have the characters of Sun and Jin, and obviously Jin gets a lot better, but um they are a married couple and Jin is not the nicest to Sun. He, He's still a piece of garbage. Sorry. He like grabs her arm and he pushes he pulls her around a little bit and everything and then there's the character of michael who has kind of gotten closer to sun like as friends mostly um and so when sun is like walking on the beach in her bathing suit and trying to enjoy the day and Jin shows up and starts like pulling her away and trying to cover her up michael comes up and tries to stop the like their argument and like him hurting her and she the confrontation yeah Exactly. And she slaps Michael. Yeah. Um, which is really interesting. Later in the episode, she says that she was trying to protect him because she didn't want him to um, feel the repercussions of Jin. Exactly. You know? So that, it really reminded me of that for sure. And I just think like there's a lot of realism there. And I think the thing about Archie in that scene is that it's so classically Archie Andrews from the comics, which is, I see an injustice and I would like to correct it. Yes. You know what this also reminds me of? What? So like in season one, we were talking about um, Archie and how his storyline was basically Troy Bolton from High School Musical. True. It's it's, do I choose music or do I choose sports? Like genuinely, that's what it was. And like, do I do what my dad wants me to do or do I pursue my passion? And that's a tale as old as time, obviously, but it was very, very clear. I'm in high school. I want to do music. I want to do this sport. What do I do? Exactly. And we had had this whole conversation about how Archie was similar to Troy, but you had said like Archie is different from Troy because Troy is more kind and is like a better person yeah, than he, Archie. He's not as wrapped up in himself. And I remember that genuinely made me cry because I love Troy a lot, but I see Troy like that part of Troy in Archie now. And it makes me so happy. Yeah, because Archie's supposed to be a good guy. Like, he's supposed to be the all-American, kind dude. Yeah, agree. And I think there's, like, such a lack of toxicity to the way Reggie and Archie interacted when Reggie decided to open up to Archie. He was not afraid to cry in front of Archie. And there was, like, like, it was clear he wasn't trying to hide it. Exactly. And he was clearly coming from an environment of intense toxic masculinity. Mm -hmm. And he chose to not perpetuate that and to stop that by saying, instead of beating up on you, Archie, I'd like to talk to you like we're both people because I've been projecting onto you because of what my dad's been doing to me and what he's taught me. Yeah. And, like, stopping that cycle of abuse right there and then I think is, like, such a big thing for Reggie. Yeah, I love that. Did you want to say anything else about... Reggie, before we just go into the thing, because I think that no, was I'm a good. combo. No, I'm good. Okay, I'm just checking Mad Dog's page to figure out a little bit more about his brother, because I remember m- him talking about him. The only thing under the relationships column in on Mad Dog's Riverdale page, like Wikipedia page, mm-hmm. w- w- would you like to guess who it is? Uh, I'm going to guess it's Archie. It's Archie. What about his family? He talked about his family. He did talk about them, but I'm trying to find that, and it's not coming up. Like, didn't he have... Like, we we literally saw his family, didn't we? I don't think we saw them, but, like, he had said, like, his family used to come and see him, and then they stopped coming to see him or something. Right. Um, I'm trying to... I wish it said... 
So I'm just gonna really quick go and see what episodes in season three he was in and then go on to the um, transcripts and then control F brother. Okay. Let's see if I can find anything. Give me one second. Before this place, I had a mom, a little brother, a girl too, Liz. Well, frick you, Liz. Clearly you ditched my main man, Monroe, and now he's gonna date Archie. I mean, he was thrown in jail. You can't exactly, like, blame her. (laughs) Whatever. Like Mad Dog says, I mean Monroe. It was juvie, not prison. Either way, he says he has a little brother, which is what I wanted to bring up. I knew he talked about his little brother. Okay, so his brother will be a freshman, I guess, which is really cool. And if Mad Dog is a senior, that's actually the timing between me and my sister. I was a senior when she was a freshman. Man, my sister and I were too far apart to have anything like that. I am so sorry. Thanks. Uh, okay. Oh, here's a- this one's kind of long. Didn't Archie fail last year? And then Veronica is being pushed to leave. Jug left the school, so it- like- we had ju- we had said last episode, I think, that maybe like for next season, they're going to try and have them not go to school and then have the last be senior year next season. Yeah. Archie, but didn't Archie fail? It looks like they're not doing that. So- yeah, that was the thing where Archie was like, it's the first day of the semester. And I was like, what are you talking about? I thought you weren't in school. Like he specifically said that his dad wanted him to get to get his diploma. So he's gonna do that. But he was like in jail and then missing. Like you can't just like he should be not in senior year. Like Veronica can be in senior year. But Archie saying that he needs to look for community colleges. But you're not graduating this year. I mean, I guess he is. Whatever. So then Honey is like pushing Veronica to leave. And Jughead left the school. So other than Betty, I'm like, is this what they're doing? You know what I mean? If, do you, they, you think they're doing the Harry Potter thing we talked about? Potentially. Having them just not go to school. Like he specifically yeah. used the word sabbatical. Have them just not go to school and then do senior year next season. Because then if cause Jughead's exactly. also apparently going missing. I don't know what's going to happen to Betty, but looks like it's going to be something. You know, but they're not even mentioning the fact that Archie failed last year. So I don't know. I mean, I'm wondering how, like, if we'll even get through the whole school year this year. Yeah. Like, it could be that they split the school year into two seasons. Which, like, enough happens, like, I get it. Yeah, I mean, it would definitely make sense. Like, it would work. Okay, so I want to talk about, I have a lot to say about this, about, um, like, your preferred name. Okay. So, Mad Dog, before he even says this to Reggie, Archie has stopped calling him Mad Dog. Yeah. Mad Dog says to Reggie, actually, it's not Mad Dog, it's Monroe. And before this even happens, Marchie, sorry. <laughs> Oh my god. Which also, that makes even more sense. You are such a hoe for Marchie. Because now we don't even have to take Mad Dog and put it with Archie and make it Marchie. Because then you're like, do I need something with Dog? Do I need something with the rest of Mad? I don't know, Mad Archie? Like, is that... What, what the? But now Marchie makes even more sense. I mean, we gave Mad Archie a shot. Munrarchie. Munrarchie. Archro. We'll keep Marchie for now. Um, I think Marchie's the one that makes the most sense. Yeah. So basically, before Monroe, which I'm going to have to get used to, obviously, but that's how it be whenever people change their name. Monroe says to Reggie, actually, it's not Mad Dog, it's Monroe. And before that even happens, Archie has stopped calling him Mad Dog because Archie respects that he doesn't want to be called Mad Dog anymore. He would like to be called Monroe. Exactly. Are you with me so far? Yes, of course. So this happens in a later storyline that we're talking about, but Jughead goes to this new school and he meets this guy whose name is Brett Weston Such a douche name. Wallace. Brett Weston Wallace. That's his name. If they didn't name him after Brett Kavanaugh, I will be shocked. So first of all, guy's a douchebag. 
You can tell. Oh, yeah. He's horrible. Yeah, Betty yeah, is, I mean, like, so put off by him. <laughs> you can tell. But here's what really, really messed me up. Like, I literally, I almost started laughing during my notes because I was like, can you be more of a jerk? So everyone calls Jughead Jughead and not Forsyth because that's his preferred name, correct? Yes. And Brett comes up. He goes, are you Forsyth? Jughead says, yes, but please call me Jughead, which he goes through mostly all of his life. Yeah. But at this point, like Tony on the, like actually at school, like when Tony gets called on the intercom, it still says Antoinette Antoinette Topaz. But when Jughead gets called on the intercom, it says Jughead, which tells me that FP has gone in and changed his name to Jughead, especially in like, like professionally. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then maybe they, like, I, the only reason why they know that his name is Forsyth is because of his grandfather or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whatever that ends up being. Either way, what, are you Forsyth? Yes, please call me Jughead. And Brett says, and I quote, no, I prefer Forsyth. Well, guess what, Brett? It doesn't matter what you prefer. That is so disrespectful. I mean, this is why I think he was named after Brett Kavanaugh. It's so disrespectful. So like, I know it's totally, I wouldn't even say it's totally different, but it's a, it's definitely a different scenario. But like, if you think of it from a different- It's the same sentiment. It's the same sentiment if you think of it from a different perspective. So for example, there's a trans man and he says, my name's James. And you say, "Uh, uh, uh, I prefer Sarah. I prefer using your dead name. It doesn't matter what you prefer. That's yeah. so disrespectful. So, so And obviously so a name rude. preference is different from a trans name preference, but at the of end course. of the day, it's still like an identity that you don't identify with anymore. Exactly. So like when he said that, I genuinely started laughing. I was like, Brett, my man, God, no, <laughs> no, God. Like I Brett, hate you so Brett, I hate you. Like him doing that. And like Jughead He's not really, like, phased by it, but later when he goes to, like, the salon or, like, that little class that they do, and he says, oh, this is Foresight. So now not only are you calling him by a name that he doesn't want to be called, but now you are introducing him to these other people using that name that he doesn't want to be called. Yep. I hate it. He's chosen his, like, whole identity for him at the school. So a parallel that I made to the storyline that we're on right now that may or may not have been purposeful. Mad Dog says, I would like to be called Monroe. Archie, immediately, before he even says it to Reggie, your name is Monroe now. I will not be calling you Mad Dog. The Brett shows up. Brett Weston Wallace. And he says, no, I prefer foresight. Frick you, Brett. This is another reason why I like Archie now. (laughs) Like, thanks for the vindication in Archie being the superior, like, all-American bro. Yeah, exactly. So I guess I just wanted to say that. Thanks. I noticed that on, like, the little locker things that they have it's like not really a locker it's like more like a cubby um the word like more is written so that's um mad dog's little cup sorry monroe's little cubby um but it also says jones next to it and uh that just can't be true must be a different jones because as if jughead plays football you know oh yeah good point yeah that must be a different jones i don't know why that's there how would they mess that up though i don't know um doesn't want to be called mad dog archie respects his preferred name we stand boyfriends There you go. So talk about the dropping the soap joke. Oh my God. This was so just beyond. The minute he said that, I was like, Reggie, you have crossed some lines that you cannot come back from. And that includes making a rape joke. I I also like remember being like, get some new material, man. 
Get something funnier than the joke that every single bad person makes about prison. Exactly. They're like, you know, is the don't like, drop the soap true? And it's like, wow, really? All y'all are ever focused on is like that? Nasty. It's because it's because the and, and it it's rooted in making fun of homosexuality. Oh, it's oh it it's rooted in making fun of the dynamics in prisons, it's rooted in making fun of the people in prisons, it's rooted in deep homophobia, like mm-hmm. everything that you can imagine, it's rooted in. Yeah, so that was gross. And I know that Reggie is all up in his feelings and bad things are happening to him, and I I understand that, but it's not there's no excuse for this really. Well, I mean it's Jake Peralta, right? cool motive still murder right totally uh my next note which we but you know he did fix his crap so my next note which we kind of mentioned uh already finally they're talking about reggie's abuse we were waiting for this yeah um you know what i'm waiting for now Mm. i would like um reggie to apologize directly to monroe yeah i would love that i they probably won't do it but i would love like one of the very first scenes in next episode. Yeah. I'm sorry. That'd be great. Yeah, I agree. Why does Marty even give a crap about football? Yeah, why? Like, my man, my man, <laughs> in, like, the episode after the Midnight Club, Betty told Reggie and Josie and Kevin about the Midnight Club, and Reggie specifically was just, like, as if my dad hung around and did cosplay with a bunch of nerds. But guess what, Marty? You did. So, like, who are you making fun of? Exactly. Anyway, I don't really even... Like, are you just ashamed that you were a nerd? <laughs> and also, if you are a nerd, own it. It's yeah. great. Just don't be a gatekeepy nerd. Yeah. At all Star Wars fans. <laughs> My next note was that Archie helped save Reggie. He sure did. Like, this probably would not have happened had Archie not said something. Yeah. And had, and honestly, like, props also to Veronica with the assist who said something to Archie. Yeah, because she brought it up. Yeah. 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 So his license plate says Magnificent. And I assume that it says Riverdale on the top because all of the license plates say Riverdale on the top. But on the bottom, it said the Sugar Maple State. It's a state? Wait, what? It's a small town. Then it's a city. Then it's a state. Wait, so are we now just pretending that Riverdale isn't in New York at all? I don't know. Maybe it's just like the sugar maple state of mind. (laughs) I don't think that's right. (laughs) Oh, okay. I don't think that's right. Okay, thanks. I tried. Ah, I'll go home. Okay. Okay. Bye. Shout out to me. I knew that it was Reggie in the trailer smashing the car. Yeah, you sure did. I got the ca- the which car it was wrong, but I got that it was Reggie. Proud of you. And it even means more because Reggie takes his car so seriously. That's a good point. Like his dad owns a car dealership, which is why he has a nice car. Reggie cares about his car. Obviously, the vehicle that you have in his family is a really important item. Yeah. That you have. It's something that you value. Yeah. And this is like kind of the perfect thing to destroy. Is this the perfect way to bring it up? No, but he said that he did try to bring it up with his father before and he doesn't listen. So if it works, then go for it. Exactly. (laughs) Another thing that really broke my heart was when Reggie said that sometimes it seems like his dad loves the car more than he loves Reggie. And to me that this was um, very reminiscent to Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Tell me more. Like this was literally like Cameron's subplot in Ferris Bueller was how much... 
his dad loves his luxury car, which they then like destroy. Mm-hmm. Like it was kind of like this literal plot, actually. That kind of works out, actually, because the, the, this episode is very that. Yeah, it's very like Fast Times, Ridgemont High, you know, mm-hmm. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, very all of that. Yeah. The last thing I had for this storyline was just a small detail that Reggie had said that he outweighs his father. And so my first thought was like, how does he get hurt if he outweighs his father? But of course, I think that it's because, like, Reggie's not trying to hurt his dad. Yeah, and th- yeah, it's just not how abuse works. Like, he's not trying to hurt him. Yeah. Yeah, he's not trying to hurt him. He's trying to hurt... He's Marty's trying to hurt Reggie. Reggie's not trying to hurt Marty. Exactly. So it doesn't matter. Exactly. You know? Okay, do you have any other thoughts on that storyline? Um, nope. Just that it was probably my favorite. And, yes. And uh, I think it's good. I agree. I hope that they continue it, because this doesn't... I mean, this doesn't solve abuse. Yeah, agree. Yeah. So uh, we'll be moving on to the next storyline shortly. But one thing we did want to mention is that we actually have a partnership with an app called TV Co. Um, it's TVCO and you can find it on uh, I- iTunes or Apple and Android. And we will be doing hour long live streams every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Vancouver time. That's 7 p.m. PST. PST and we did our first one for 401 uh, just two days ago as we are recording this. Uh, and we had a great time. Yeah, we did. Yeah, Brittany wasn't there. She was one of the viewers. She was uh, commenting in and it was super lots of fun. Um, but yeah, we had fun. And we had about, I would say, five or six active people who were like on there watching. And it was great. It was people that we all knew. Um, and it was like a tiny little community. And it was super, super fun. Uh, we would love to have anybody else who wants to join us there. So all you have to do is download TV Co. Um, like I said, it's on Apple and Android. And search for Riverdale or search for the aficionados. Give us a follow and we would love to see you every Tuesday night, 7 p.m. PST. So if you're listening to this the day it comes out, that's Monday. It's happening tomorrow. So we would love to have you. Yeah, and it'll be every Tuesday. So even if you're listening to this a couple weeks in the future, we will still be there. We'll still be there. Yeah, but we just do a rewatch of the previous week's episode in preparation for the next episode. And um, I don't know what we're going to do on hiatus weeks. That's going to be fun. We'll have to come up with some stuff. Theorizing, things like that. Yeah, it'll be great. Okay, cool. Thanks. So now we're going to talk about Betty. Okay. Okay, here we go. Betty's worried about Alice, who has been missing her check-ins with Charles. At the Blue and Gold, Kevin comes to apologize for everything he did at the farm. He hopes he can earn back her trust. Betty goes to see Charles at his office, I think? I guess. He's not at his desk, so she snoops and sees that the FBI has Kevin under surveillance. He's been texting Fangs, who won't meet with Kevin unless he has information. Betty and Charles decide to leak fake info to Kevin to see if he'll betray them. Betty invites Kevin to Pops, where she drops that the FBI has a witness to testify against the farm. Kevin immediately turns around and meets up with Fangs about it. Fangs won't even touch him until he has the name of the witness. Betty catches him and they go back to Charles's HQ where they interrogate him. Kevin explains that literally no one talked to him all summer except Fangs texting him and he's lonely and sad. Betty feels bad and is inclined to trust him again. Charles, a professional, tells Betty no, but she ignores him. At Cheryl's party, she tells Kevin about Alice being uncover, undercover. Betty, what are you doing? Kevin says he'll help. Charles still hasn't heard from Alice two days later, and Betty reveals that she already trusted Kevin. Luckily, it was the right move. It worked. Yo, this was quite a gamble. I gotta say, like, when she was, like, starting to tell Kevin, I was like, no! I could tell when Charles was like, Betty, we're not gonna do that. I could tell. I was like, she's gonna do it. Yeah, in Betty's head, she was already for formulating what she was gonna say like if kevin hadn't betrayed them and immediately gone to fangs 
the first time, I would have been like, yes, I agree with you, Betty. We can trust Kevin. But he literally just betrayed you. Yeah. What makes you think that that one conversation you had with him where he did a little bit of whining changed everything? And like, even when he was being interrogated and he was like, no one talked to me. I was like, because you tried to give her a lobotomy? Yeah. So she was not, she didn't owe you anything, Kevin. Literally. Like- I love Kevin. Psychologically, you guys but... have not solved any of your problems. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I love Kevin too, but I was just like, she doesn't, like, you're guilting her into being friends with you. She doesn't owe you yeah. anything, dude. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so starting at the beginning of the storyline here, does Kevin actually want to be an arts reporter? I would think so. Or was he just doing that to get into Betty's good graces? Maybe. I think two things can be true, but since Jughead's yeah. gone, we will need someone else at the Blue and Gold other than Betty. Very true. Betty brings Charles Chinese food and they ran out of fortune cookies. I think that was really, really cute because now they're really good friends. And then I got sad because I realized that Charles is literally the only family member she has right now. Yep. And Charles does seem to respect her. Yeah. But one of the things that I noticed, and I think this is a really interesting detail from the writing team, Mm -hmm. is that Betty, when talking to Charles, will say mom. She will say our mom. She will say these things. And Charles continues to just say Alice. Yep. Because he doesn't, not that he doesn't consider Alice his mom, but he didn't grow up with Alice. That and um, I don't think he's 100% like process the fact that he has a sister oh yeah and and i understand that this is like betty's storyline obviously it's about her mom and everything but i'd love to see jughead in here no i was thinking that as well i want to see yeah i want to see this dynamic because it was so funny at the end of last season seeing all three of them together i'd love to see i want to see it again like why like i want to see betty and jughead discuss the fact that they are half siblings i don't even like i i want to see that but like even more than that, I want Jughead to process the fact that he has a yeah. brother. Like, neither neither Jughead nor Betty have ever had a brother. Betty had a sister. Jughead had a sister. It must be interesting to have an older sibling when, oh, I guess Polly is older than Betty. But, like, Jughead is a younger brother now. And, like, does FP know that Charles is around? I don't think FP knows. I don't think so. Because if FP knew, Girls that would be a big part him. of the story. It makes me really sad that Jughead is keeping that from him. And that um, FP isn't trying to find Alice. Yeah. That kind of threw me for a loop. Hello? What the like, heck? I'm hoping that they'll reveal I mean, that he yeah. kind of has been looking for her. But I guess as far as he knows, uh, she yeah. joined a cult. Yeah, he doesn't know that she's undercover. Which which is another thing that Jughead is keeping yeah. from him. I wish Jughead wasn't keeping these things from him. But yeah, I don't think FP knows. I think he thinks she went cuckoo pants and she pro- and he probably is really exactly. sad about it. Like he was like, now that Gladys is gone. And now he's like, Mom. Oh God, Gladys is gone. Ah, she'll be back eventually, but. But like, where did she go? Uh, I don't think we know 100% exactly where she went, but she definitely was like going off yonder because she was like kind of disgraced. Right, 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 right. Because of all of the drug stuff. Ah, welcome to Riverdale. Although she did buy the Cooper house and then she bought the Cooper house and then just like left it for them. And she's like, good luck. Bye. And Alice is clearly going to be moving back into the Cooper house. So she bought FP and Alice a love nest. Just like Betty, like she um, was living at Veronica, like with Veronica, I think at the end of last season. But like, who knows? She probably lives in her own bedroom again. Oh yeah, I would say so. With Chughead. Yeah. Didn't we see them in her bedroom? Yes, we did uh, last episode when she was reading yeah, the exactly. short story. Yeah, I read the um, transcripts of Kevin's conversation mm-hmm. with Fangs, and Kevin is literally texting Fangs that he, like, loves him. Literally, he's begging Fangs. And I'm like, your relationship came out of nothing. He's begging Fangs. You were literally, you were literally together for, like, maybe a week before... 
Like they they kissed during the um, musical episode, and then after that they joined the farm. And it was like maybe a week, maybe two weeks, and then Fangs ascended and Kevin didn't. And now he's like, I love you. And I'm like, how how are we supposed to trust Kevin when this is what he's doing? Well, but remember, Fangs is his only human contact at that point. Yeah. Well, like where So of course he's gonna latch on to him. He's been we saw him jogging with his dad. Like, why aren't we talking about why aren't we talking about Dad Keller? I think because he's looking for someone who is his own age. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Okay. Yeah. And Dad Keller probably keeps him on a tight leash. Yeah, especially after what happened. Yeah, I agree. I wanted to give a shout out uh, at the scene in Pops. Um, I thought Casey was great in it. Mm-hmm. He totally walked the line of I'm listening to your information and I'm your friend and I'm yes, I agree. Yes, but I'm but also using you for information. That part that's like calculating him or like being super calculating and making sure that he gets every single detail. I thought it was good. I thought he did a good job. He he did a wonderful job. He's he's so good at like seeming innocent. Yeah, exactly. I yeah, I believed him in the scene where he was apologizing apologizing to Betty at the beginning and mm-hmm. then completely he flips in the diner and then I believed him again in the interrogation but like it's clear that it's like I want Betty's forgiveness but if I can try and get back in with the farm not necessarily with the farm but with fangs I think he said then I will do it exactly and then if that doesn't work then I'm gonna try and get in Betty's good graces again you know what I mean yeah if he can serve I kind of expected him to flip-flop again I think it was like if he could have his cake and eat it too yeah exactly so my next note was where's sweet pea but we talked talked about that already. Also, uh, if you guys have Hulu, uh, Jordan Connor is in Looking for Alaska. It comes out on the 18th, I believe. Oh, that's tomorrow when we're recording this. So it should be out by the time that this comes out. I don't believe he's like a huge character. I think he might be like the bully character actually in it. I don't super remember because I kind of wanted to be surprised about it. Okay. But um, I can't watch it because... We don't have Hulu in Canada, so I have to figure out something else. Um, but if you are in America, I'm sure it'll be on. I'm. I, I, you should I check our so. cable listings because if something like that airs on, like something like W, might look pick it up. Okay. Yeah, I will look. Yeah, but like I said, um, that's what Jordan was doing. <laughs> during last season when he wasn't there. And so you guys should check it out because it's also based off a John Green book. uh, And I love John Green and I love all his books. So it'll be great. And I'm really excited about it. And they didn't shoot that in van, right? No, no, that was shot... Um, Minus points. Yeah, some somewhere in middle America, you know. Makes sense. The farm doesn't trust Kevin. Why? He seemed totally in. Why doesn't why don't doesn't the farm trust Kevin? I mean, whatever the reason is has to go back to why they left him behind, right? Yeah, exactly. Like they left him behind like they knew back then that he wasn't to be trusted. Maybe it was his relationship with Betty? But like it seems like he's in. I don't know, maybe. Or maybe like, they needed a man on the outside and they chose him because they knew they could manipulate him with things. That's just sad because if that if that had been true, why not tell him, you know? And his relationship with Betty is totally on the outs anyway because he drags her towards a lobotomy, you know? I mean, with Edgar ever and ever, I would think that the less information he gives to other people, the better. Yeah, that's true. Um, I was kind of annoyed that Betty's plan with Kevin after, after she told him did actually work after 
Charles, who is a professional FBI agent, told her no. Yeah. Like, that's the sort of thing that I expect to blow up in her face. And it's like, Betty, maybe you should listen to the people who know what they're doing. You know what I mean? But I mean, when has anyone on the show ever listened to anyone else? It's just like the stakes are too high to go rogue right now, Betty. Mm -hmm. It's too, they're too high. Like her mother's life is literally on the line. Her telling Kevin could have literally killed Alice. Yep. Like if Kevin had been like, did you know fangs that alice is an undercover agent edgar like he says edgar is armed edgar could have killed alice full e like okay so they decide that their fake name for the fbi witness is going to be penelope blossom Mm -hmm. why do you think they chose penelope i don't know i thought that was weird i'm like doesn't everyone know that she's like off yonder because she was the gargoyle king like she's missing no one knows where she is yeah i also thought that was weird um maybe they were trying to remind us of who penelope is or that she exists like why not make it ethel then or something oh my god ethel would have been genius yeah penelope isn't even in like i guess they just don't care what happens to penelope like if they find her then they find her like if if they used ethel's name and then the farm like came and like punished ethel then they would feel bad you know what i mean yeah so i guess i don't know whatever i Um, guess he he says that the farm is at the abandoned motel beyond the maple barrens okay wherever that is be like all right okay um and then yeah we discussed most of this already so do you have anything else about the betty storyline uh no actually not really Okay, great. So let's do Jughead. Jughead, I'm going to tell you up front, I do not have a lot of thoughts on the storyline. Okay. I have quite a few here, so we can... Oh my god, you have thoughts on Jughead? No one expected this from me. Holy crap. Jughead gets called to the principal's office to meet Mr. Chipping, a teacher at Fancy Stonewall Prep. He read Jughead's short story, that contest from last episode, and was impressed. He's inviting Jug to come to their school. Jug turns him down. When he gets home from school, Mr. Chipping is waiting at his house, chatting with FP. Okay, he asks Jug to please... What? Okay, creep. Yeah. He asks Jug to please come take a tour of the school. Jug's not interested, but FP insists that he go. Betty accompanies him on the tour. Jug has a good time, but it's not Betty's jam. The people are kind of condescending. Mr. Chipping invites Jughead to come to class to discuss Moby Dick tomorrow. Jughead's like, heck yeah, Moby Dick. And Betty's like, heck no, Moby Dick. Jughead shows up for the class and enjoys the discussion a lot. At Cheryl's party, Veronica and Betty tell Jughead he would hate Stonewall and that they would miss him, so not to go. In English class at Riverdale High, everyone is majorly apathetic. Betty can see Jughead withering, so she tells him to go to Stonewall. On Jughead's first day at his new school, FP reveals that his father, Jug's grandfather, went to Stonewall but dropped out. In a flash forward, everyone is searching for Jughead. Whatever. (laughs) Wow! (laughs) Tell us how you really feel! I don't have any thoughts on that because I don't have enough information to theorize, like I said. So, whatever. Well, all right. So, Honey, it seems like Mr. Honey is trying to get rid of the core four. He tries to get rid of Veronica. He's trying to get rid of Jughead. Do you think he's doing this because he just doesn't want to deal with them? I just can't tell if he's actually malicious and he has ulterior motives or if he's just, like, a principal who's trying his best. Like, it's a very fine line and I can't tell which one he's on. Yeah, I genuinely don't know, like, where he falls on this and it kind of like I can't tell if he has an ulterior motive or you know who he even works for because like who knows with anyone on this show do they secretly work for Hiram yeah um this season um they've been keeping very 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 closed lips about other than like the where is Jughead thing we don't know what the big question is I don't know like for some reason my brain tries to tell me that Mr. Honey and Mr. Chipping are working together but they're not even from the same school so I don't know and are they evil like I don't know Mr. Mr. Chipping has some weird foreboding energy for some reason. 
Exactly. And I mean... And I don't know how to feel about it. That's totally down to, like, how Sam Witwer plays that character. Mm -hmm. And, like, he's doing a great job. So I'm like, ooh, I don't trust you. And it's like, well, I'm not supposed to. So good job. Yeah. But, like, for me personally, I'm like, no, that's crashed out. I'm supposed to trust him. (laughs) But, like, Roberto has said, like, they're... Like, it's, it's, like, a major secret. This season is a secret. And I think that's the reason why we are currently not getting extended promos. You know, we're only getting these 20 second ones, which are disappointing, but that's how it be sometimes. Like this- I mean, the hundred did the same thing, but what was the secret they were even hiding? Yeah, <laughs> go off. Um, I'm not even trying to be shady. I'm asking you genuinely, what were, what were they trying to hide? I don't know. I don't even remember what the- I mean- the thing is, like, the trailer... I mean, I was being a little shady. The season six trailer for The 100 was, like, significantly longer than the Riverdale trailer, you know? Maybe the CW just isn't producing long trailers anymore. I don't know, but it makes me sad because those extended promos were, like, my life. Oh my god, right? I lived for those extended promos. So Jughead didn't win the contest. Which is surprising because, you know, despite how much we make fun of him and stuff, he's a very good writer. I kind of liked that detail because it seems like Jughead always seems to, you know, he's the best writer. He's the greatest. So the fact that it's like there was a writer better than him, I kind of like that. Oh, okay. But Mr. Chipping says that he wanted Jughead to win. Like he chose Jugheads, but the other judges chose somebody else. It's like, okay, who was it? Yeah, I don't know. Um, so it's called Stonewall Prep because it's a preparatory school. And if you don't know, a preparatory school is basically just high school, but it specifically preps you for college. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's more of an American institution. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I literally just talked about this, but my next note was, Mr. Chipping, you feel evil. Mmm, fosh. I don't know. Yeah. Um, do you think that he is being called Forsyth because his grandpa went by Forsyth? Yes. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, and then I wanted to talk about Brett Weston Wallace. Pretentious and mansplainy. <laughs> also fully in his mid-twenties. <laughs> Those were my notes about Brett. Oh my god! Pretentious and mansplainy. He is though! Also fully in his mid-twenties. That's he not a teen. super is. That's not a teen. No, that is not a, that is not a teenage person. And then once again, uh, I prefer Forsyth. It doesn't matter what you prefer, you ass. <laughs> I make great notes, thanks. I prefer Forsyth. Cool. Not up to you, though, bud. Mm -hmm. Betty introduces herself, and he says she's very Sweet Valley High. So Sweet Valley High is a series of young adult novels attributed to American author Francine Pascal, who presided over a team of ghostwriters to produce the series. And you know what? Respect the hustle. That was upsetting to learn. Did you? No, you don't understand how upsetting that was. I loved those books. And you you thought it was all Francine? Yes! But she was like cranking them out way too fast i i just that never occurred to me that she was like cranking them out too fast i was just like yeah she writes a lot of books wow i sad i'm so sorry thanks the books chronicle the lives of identical twins jessica and elizabeth wakefield who live in the fictional sweet valley california a suburb near los angeles the twins and their friends attend sweet valley high do you want to talk about it if you had read the books i mean i i loved those books i think there was one I think we've talked about this before, but there was one Sweet Valley High book that like messed me up mm-hmm. and it was where there was a massive earthquake and one of their friends died in it. What? Yeah. Like Sweet Valley High got dark. Oh my goodness. That's why like, I was like, mm, it kind of messed me up in a lot of ways because at one point one of their friends died. <laughs> Ouch. Okay. <laughs> like, okay. Betty is just like, actually, I've gotten my fill of this school. Thanks. 
And Brett is like, yeah, I know. It's a lot to take in. The man does not get social cues. No, he doesn't. Sir. Also, the cafeteria is vegan. Someone kill Jughead. Oh, man. I mean, I think there's more than just vegan. Yeah, but that's what he was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So we get introduced to Jonathan, Donna, and Joan. I looked them all up, and the only one that is from the comics is a character named Joni. I don't think that's the same person. But she was supposed to be a love interest for Jughead. I don't think that's what's going to happen. I just wanted to bring it up. Just in case. Okay. Okay. Okay, so at the party, my note was, let Jughead do what he wants. I was disappointed in Betty, but I'm glad that she does the right thing at the end. Mm -hmm. Like... Yeah. Do you not want the best for your significant other? You know what I mean? I mean, I feel like she always did, but it also would be hard to come to terms with the fact that she wouldn't see him all the time. Well, she specifically said we would make anything work, but I would miss you. Like, I genuinely was like, Veronica, can you get in your own lane? Like, honestly? I don't know. I got it. Yeah. I didn't like it. It made me feel weird. Veronica was like, trust me, you would hate it. It's like, have you been there? I mean, she was around that kind of culture most of her life. I guess. I don't know. Whatever. Okay, so I have an anecdote about my life. Shocking. This exact thing has happened to me. Really? Yes. Jughead being in this classroom and then leaving to go to a different class that cares more about it has exactly, like, this literally has happened to me. So when I was in grade 12, I had done advanced English all throughout high school, grade 9, grade 10, grade Mm -hmm. 11, advanced English. And afterwards, after that, I was like, I don't know, like, I I started feeling like I wasn't as good at English as I used to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I decided to go into regular English. And for my school in particular, there was this thing called uh, like dash one and dash two. So if you were in dash one, it was kind of like the regular stream. And then if you were in dash two, it means you need like extra help. And then there was advanced. Yeah. Yeah. And so I decided to go into English 30, which meant grade 12, 30-1, which meant I was in grade 12 English and I was in the regular stream of people. And I decided to do that because a couple of my friends were also going to be in my class and it was going to be fine. So I went in and I Mm -hmm. also got one of my... um, the teacher that I had for grade 11 in that class. And so I was happy because I was like, not only will I be with some of my friends, I also have Mrs. Mary back who I love. And I also get easier stuff to do. So great. I'll do that. And so I walked in the very first day and I sat with, with my friends, Erica and Tyler, and I sat with them and Mrs. Mary said, okay, the first thing we're going to do is talk about our favorite kind of texts. And I was like, yes, I have so many favorite kind of texts. I love music. Okay. I like lyrics. I like books. I like movies. I like TV. I like all of these kinds of texts. I like poetry. I like so many texts. And everybody was so bored. They did not care. I was the only person putting up my hand, the only person having a conversation about texts. I was so gutted. I was like miserable. I was like, what world do we live in? Because I had been in advanced English for my entire high school career with the exact same people in my class every single time with these people who... If you're in advanced English, you care about writing, you care about storytelling, you care about stories and books and plays and all of these things. You care really, 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 really hard. Yeah. Because you're in advanced. And like, I remember being in advanced in grade 11 and we had watched or we had um, done Life Life. What is that called? Life with Pi? That's what it's called, right? Life of Pi. Life of Pi. I was like, life and pie. I don't remember. Either way, Life of Pi, we had done it. And I remember like sitting with my friends and we had like talked 
like so in depth about like the symbolism and the characters and what each of the things meant. Like if you've read slash seen Life of Pi, I don't actually know if it's part of the movie. I think it is. But if you've read Life of Pi, you know exactly what I mean. Like the end when they talk about the characters and if they symbolize the animals and it's like a whole thing. And I remember being so entrenched in that and being with my friends for that and like talking about it. And so walking into this with like all of these like people who did not care about this at all, I literally was like, I am so sad. And so I went to the office and I switched to advanced and I did advanced English in grade 12. Good for you. Because I couldn't do it. I was like, this is so sad. And I walked into advanced English the next day and all of my friends cheered. Because they were happy to have me. Wait, that's really wholesome. It was really sweet. And then like, I think it was either like the year that we graduated or the year after we graduated that the Life of Pi movie came out. And we all like, even though we had been like apart, we all came together to go back to Red Deer and all sit in a theater together and watch Life of Pi movie. (gasps) That's so sweet. It was awesome. So, like, this moment for Jughead, like, when he seemed to have such a good time in the class, and then he comes back to this class where people don't care, I was like, I literally have lived this life. Oh, boy. And so, like, I loved that Betty was, like, recognized that in him and was able to be like, you should do what you like to do. Because even though I was able to do that and go and change it myself because I understood that I wasn't happy, if my friends... Like, specifically Erica and Tyler were my two good friends in the class. If they had said, don't leave, you won't like it, blah, 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 I don't know if it would have been as easy. Yeah. And so when Veronica and Betty had been saying, don't leave, I was like, but don't you see that he deserves to be in this class? It's like FP keeps saying. He says, don't you care about your talents being recognized? Don't you care about being in like a circle of your peers who care about the same things as you do. And that's what's great about college too, is getting to go and go like into your major and getting to meet all of these people who also care about what you care about, which is similar. And um, yeah, that was a really long rant. (laughs) People who meet your passion. That was a really long story. Sorry. It's okay. So yeah, I just um, related to Jughead in this episode. Go for you. I would never be friends with Brett though. And I don't think Jughead will be either. (laughs) No, Brett sucks. I'm suspicious of him. (laughs) I don't like him. Okay. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Are you ready for this? Yes. Okay. My next note is, and this is only the first half, Betty, your sweater is ugly. Are you with me so far? Yes. I'm now going to describe Betty's sweater and you tell me if this is a good sweater. Are you ready? I'm ready. Hot pink mm-hmm. and mustard yellow. Ooh. Cheetah print Mm-mm. cropped sweater. No. I'm going to give it a pass. Hot pink. <laughs> hot pink and mustard yellow. First of all, hot pink and mustard yellow. No. Hot pink. You said mustard yellow and I was like, I'm out. Hot pink and mustard yellow cheetah print. Yeah. No, God, I'm out. No. I'm out. Yeah. Cropped sweater. Could be cute. Usually isn't. Hot pink and mustard yellow cheetah print cropped sweater. I want to die. Choices. Who put her in that? Stop. The sad thing is she put herself in that. (laughs) Okay. So Betty's like, I'll take care of it. You just go. And so Jughead just leaves. Oh yeah. He... Yeah, what the hell? And like the teacher doesn't even care that they're fully just leaving the classroom. I don't know. It was weird. Oh my God. Yeah, like, okay, when they got up and she was like, let's go. I was like, why isn't the teacher saying anything? When I was in college, you were allowed to just like get up and go to the washroom. But when you're in high school, you have to ask. When you're in high school, they want to know like when you sneeze. Yeah, (laughs) they need to know. Yeah. So I was a little confused about that. I was like, hello? Same. 
And so he just like leaves. I was like, okay, sure. Uh, okay. Um, so back at the Jones residence, um, they had this snake statuette that I thought was really beautiful. Thanks, um, that's it. When they like focused on that, I was like, yes. Just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, same. FP says that he wanted Jughead to be able to make the decision by himself without knowing that his grandfather was like an alumni of the school, even if he did drop out. Wholesome. And then we get the classic pack of smokes story. Smokes? That was very Canadian. I'm so sorry. Holy crap. I was so bad. Um, but like the classic story is that they go for a pack of smokes and they don't come back. And um, I didn't realize that that was like literally exactly the stereotype that happened to FP. And I'm sad. Yeah. And I'm sorry for him. Yeah. Um, at men. Why do you do this? Why? 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 And I'm speaking from experience. My dad didn't, didn't go up for a pack of smokes, but I have not seen him smokes. in like... 20 years. That's a lot of years. Yeah, that's a lot of years. Do you remember the last- Where you at, Doug? The last time you spoke to him or saw him? Do you remember? Uh, he dropped my sister and I off at my grandparents' house when I was like nine or 10. So what was his excuse? Did he ever, like, did he basically just ghost you or what? Yeah, my my wow. own father. Yeah, definitely um, ghosted us and we never heard from him again. Like you never, you've never even heard from him? Nope. Do you know where he is? No. Wow. I know crazy. that he lives somewhere in Edmonton and that he mm-hmm. has a girlfriend. Wow. How do you, how, and how do you know that? Um, my mom's aunt is a gossip. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's a queen. She wears leather pants and is 85. I would die for her. <laughs> so has she been like keeping tabs on him or what? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. Oh, yeah. I love that for her. Um, So she just kind of like sneaks around and finds information about him. And then uh, we have a good laugh at how weird he is that he just like pretends he doesn't have kids. So do you even know? Would you even recognize him if you saw him? No. Wow. Like I can Google him and see him. But like. But why would you want to? All the pictures are apparently super out of date. Yeah. So uh, yeah, no, I have no idea what he looks like, what he sounds like. Because he doesn't, he, he pretends he doesn't have children. And I'm like, well, that's fine. Like, you seem like you suck. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want you as a dad anyway. Yeah, literally, I'd be like, okay, like, actually, that's cool with me, dude. Because you really seem like you blow. <laughs> <laughs> and you know who we have instead? D-Town. Dale. Exactly. My stepdad. He's a real one. Can we give a shout out to Dale? Shout out to Dale. Like a genuine shout out to Dale. Yeah. Dale is the one. Fred Andrews to Marty to Marty Mantle. Okay, but like he literally is though. That's so wholesome. Yeah. We love Dale. We stand Dale. I'm going to tell him that we said this and he's going to be very happy. Oh, I love that for him. Except then, but except he, instead of being actually happy, he's just going to make a joke about it. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like something he'd do. Very that. It's very that. So the last thing about this storyline is literally just the flash forward. Like I've said like three times already, I don't have enough information to theorize. Uh, Do you have anything to talk about about this flash forward? Like they literally just keep like dangling it over our heads and I'm like, okay. I mean, I don't know what to think about it yet. So not, not yet. Yeah, I don't Um, know. Other than like, holy crap, stuff's going down. It's serious. Like they're, it's out in the rain, out in the forest. I don't know what makes them think that he's out in the forest. Like, I don't know. But if anybody who's listening to this has any real theories about what the heck is going on in the flash forward, I stand a flash forward, but this doesn't have enough information for me. So please uh, let us know. Uh, we are on Twitter at The Aficionados. You can also comment on SoundCloud. And uh, our email is aficionadospodcast at gmail.com. 
literally, sorry, I forgot to mention, my only thought during this search scene was that he went missing during some kind of hazing thing. Oh, okay. Oh, for Stonewall? Yeah. So remember- But that's all I got. Remember when I said you can comment on our SoundCloud? Yes. And then I was like, my brain was like, actually, I forgot to look at the SoundCloud before we recorded and we have a comment. Oh my God. So let's talk about it. Oh my God. Okay. So it's from our friend, Megan Strain. Oh yes, of course. On SoundCloud. Do you recall this human? Of course. Okay, here we go. Hey guys, I'm so happy Riverdale is back. I wish we weren't starting the return on such a sad note, but everything about this episode was so beautiful. I have so much respect for everyone who was a part of this episode who was strong enough to share something so personal with the whole world. I can't imagine how hard it must be to display your grief on camera for everyone to see. But on a lighter note, I'm so excited to listen to your crazy theories, rants, and cheers of joy this season. I hope to watch some of your live streams too. Congrats on the sponsorship. Keep it up. (sighs) Oh, that's so nice. That was so sweet. Thank you. Thank you. We would love to have you in the live stream. That would be so, so, so fun. Yes, please. Everyone come hang on the live stream. It's just us being stupid for an hour. So it's like, that's what you're here for anyway. I gotta say, like, to be candid, I was really worried about it because Brittany isn't here. And so I thought I I was doing it by myself. Luckily, the loveliest pinch hitter ever, um, Emily, she just sat in the background on her laptop the entire time. But it really made me feel way more comfortable. And it felt like I was actually having a conversation with a person, even if nobody was there. Like, and she was very charming and funny too. So like that helped. It was great. But yeah, genuinely I was worried about it because I didn't know how it was going to go. It was the first one and we had so much fun. It was genuinely just like me putting the episode on Netflix and then like making fun of the show like we like to do. And I mean, it was a sad episode, but I still tried to have fun. And I think everybody else had fun. Yeah. And when we we say making fun, it's because we adore it so much and we love to roast it. Yeah, exactly. And this- This show is made for roasting. And that's what I love about it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Okay, now it's time for a segment. I'm ready. So my first segment is a sexual joke. Hey, question mark, question mark, question mark. And the answer was yes, it was yes. I don't care. Did he have sex this episode? Probably. I still don't care. Because asexual people have sex sometimes. Oh my god, actually, I forgot to tell you. <laughs> During that, when they were all banging, I just skipped through it. Because I was like, yeah, more of the same thing. <laughs> Nothing new here. And I just skipped through it. I was like, whatever. Yeah. Call me when FP and Alice bang. <laughs> literally um speaking of alice which milk was the most badass this episode um yo where were the moms at though wait let me think about this was there a single mom in this episode uh penelope no (gasps) um no alice no mary no sierra no my heart hurt um it's still going to alice because she's undercover at the fbi and like that's really badass where's reggie's mom melinda we saw her once and she never came back melinda stand up for Mm. your child hey you never know she could be being abused too definitely true definitely true and hopefully reggie speaking with his father can help both of them uh did the snake parents acknowledge their obvious history no but once again it's coming so i'm okay with it we know it. We're going to be okay. Also, Marty Mantle go to jail challenge. Yeah. yeah. And then... Just like then throwing that out there. Thanks. Reggie will inherit, inherit as if he, I mean, he's not dying, but still Reggie will get your business and then Veronica will help him make it thrive and it'll be great. And Reggie will get a nice thing. Sounds great. That sounds okay. fantastic. Let's do that. Now it's time for our best line award. Mine, like I said, I hate to give it to him, but this line really made me laugh it goes to mr honey for regarding that back to school dance that you've organized it's canceled for why at the last student dance multiple students were murdered that is yeah and then i also have an honorable mention for reggie and cheryl for cheryl you know this guy 
No, but I certainly don't object to him being here, which is more than I can say for you. Roast. Love it. And mine goes to FP and Jughead for Jughead, you better not be drinking what's in that cup. And then just the sound of Jughead dumping the drink. <laughs> Jughead, boy, you better not be drinking whatever's in that cup. It's great. It like it translates more to a GIF, so it's gonna be nice when I get to make the GIF and post it on theaffectionados.tumblr.com. No, but the thing is, like, even like like audio-wise, it's yeah. still funny because you can hear the the, the liquid splashing. Yeah, and Cole really uh, knocks it out of the park for that one. It's like it's like he's a statue. Yeah, I just I laughed yeah. so much at that. Uh, now it's time for our trailer reaction. I am ready when you are. Okay, let me read. Um, I'm gonna read this. Let Let's make this a new thing where I read um what the episode is about. Cool, 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 cool. Betty and Charles confront Edgar Evernever. So we're getting Chad Michael Murray back. I was literally saying to Emily while we were watching last night. I was like, all this talk about Edgar, and they're not even gonna give me Chad Michael Murray. This is so rude. Oh my god. Do you think it's an attack on you specifically? Yeah, I definitely think so. Things take a dangerous turn when Betty and Charles track down Edgar. It it is Chad Michael Murray. And his farmies. Archie and Veronica hold a car wash fundraiser at Pops to raise money for the community center. Elsewhere, Jughead's first day at Stonewall Prep doesn't go as planned. Lastly, Cheryl learns a dark family secret from Nana Rose. Ooh. Hey, I want you to know right now that them holding a car wash is going to mean that there's going to be lots of soaked up uh, okay. Pictures That's going fair. on there. Yeah, you think. Cool. Yeah. Just let it let you know. Lots of soaped up boobs. This episode, 403 that is, is actually also directed by Greg Smith, who has um, directed episodes in the past. But if you've seen Rookie Blue, you might know him as Dove Epstein. He was my favorite character on Rookie Blue. I've met him and he's a lovely human. So I'm happy for him. I love that for you. Yeah. So now we're going to watch the episode. Are you ready, Brittany? Three, two, one, play. Ooh, who's putting? Who's going hunting in a baseball? Is that Archie? Probably Archie. Yeah, it's Archie. Archie. And then Polly has a bomb. Who? What the hell? Like, really, they're not gonna call the bomb squad. They're gonna literally. They're gonna have Betty do it. Literally, what is going on in this show? I don't know. Okay, okay. So, what do we got next Wednesday? Archie for some. Okay, so what did it say in the thing? They hold a car wash fundraiser. To raise money for the community center. So why is Archie doing this? You know? What is he doing? Fun. And also, I don't know who these people are. Yeah, I don't know I don't either. Know um, Maybe it's a new gang. Oh, God. Do you imagine? First the ghoulies and now this. Yeah. Okay, and then we have Charles and Betty and there's Polly. I don't think Charles has met Polly, who's his other half-sister. Oh, yeah, he probably hasn't. What? What a way to meet your sister. What a great entrance. Yeah. So she has a bomb strapped to her, um, but she's holding like the clicker so she could detonate it or what? Yeah. I'm going to need some more context for this. Is she the detonator? Like, I can't tell. She might be. Because if she is, then like, I don't know. Did they send her in for a suicide mission? Maybe. And they asked her to do it. And then she's like getting cold feet because obviously. Maybe. Maybe. And then Betty's trying to help her get out of it. Yeah. And then, and then what, Polly's going to be good again? I will never trust Polly for the rest of my life, just to be clear. Oh, no. I Ever. And like, nah. Polly's done for me. No. She drowned Alice. It's also- At no point yeah. while drowning Alice did she think, hey, this is normal. Yeah, I don't love that for her. But it looks like- And Alice did that voluntarily. Alice died <clears throat> volunteer voluntarily. Yeah. Ugh. It looks it looks like the countdown on her thing either is 
an hour, an hour 22 or one minute 22. I'm guessing it's one minute 22. It looks like it's going down pretty quick. I think it's a minute. Yeah. I think it's a minute. Also, there's a, there's some more people in the office. We haven't seen that before. And Betty's gonna cut it. Oh, at 40, with 48 seconds left. Yeah. I guess they don't have time to call the bomb squad then. Interesting. I think they probably call like FBI agents. Okay. I'm sad that this is not extended, but yeah, I'm sad that this is not extended and I will continue to be sad. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. If you enjoy what we do here, please leave, leave us a review on iTunes. We like those. We also have a survey that is perpetually open that you can find in the description box. Yeah, if you review us on iTunes, that's how people find us. It's how we get like higher on the like search results, I think. So if you do enjoy us, uh, you don't even necessarily have to write anything. You can just rate us too. Yeah. That'd be really great. Um, if you're a fan of The 100, you'd like to talk about that show too. We did season four, five, and six, and we're going to be doing seven, which is the final season and then after that we're going to be going back to do the first three seasons uh, and i'm really excited about those uh first three seasons i'm pretty excited yeah if you want to hear me slowly go from naive to burned you should listen. <laughs> it's quite a character arc that i have personally yeah oh how sad if you enjoy stranger thing wait is lost yeah if you're a fan of lost we like to talk about that show too it is our longest podcast and it is super in depth and um you should listen to it we're in the back end of season two right now we're getting close to the finale now yeah we're almost done and we are currently releasing monthly yes because uh we got stuff to do if you're a fan of Stranger Things, we like to talk about that show too. We did a long form podcast for all of season one. We did a short form podcast for season three as we watched it. So that's spoiler free every episode. Um, and in 2020, we'll be doing season two. Oh, I'm so excited about that. You know, one thing has never burned me. Stranger Things. Yeah. I love Stranger Things. Speaking of things that have also like never burned me, Star Trek. Be- Tell me more. Because we're doing a Star Trek Picard podcast starting in January 2020. We are going to be diving into Star Trek. It's going to be lit AF. Um, Robin has never seen a damn thing of Star Trek. I've seen a lot of it. Um, if Sam joins us, she is currently deep into an obsession with the next generation. So it's going to be a good time all around. You should join us. Yeah, I can tell you which one is Spock. Hey, that's You're pretty welcome. good. He's not in this one because oh. it's way past his time, but that's okay. Okay, I'm just saying that I know which one is Spock. <laughs> I'm proud of you. It takes. <laughs> Join us every Tuesday on the TV Co. app at 7 p.m. PST, 7 p.m. Vancouver time. I know that it might not be in your time zone, but hopefully if I also if I give you PST and I also give you Vancouver, you should be able to figure it out. You know, Desks, ask Siri or Alexa or Google or anyone. They'll all know. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, we would love to have you. You just have to download the TV Co app, search for Riverdale and you'll find us or search for the aficionados and you're, and you'll find us and give us a follow and then you'll get the notification when I'm going to start broadcasting. And yeah, we would love to have you. It's super, super whoop, fun. Whoop. If the day that this comes out, it's tomorrow. Yeah. So like get going. But like we also said, if you're listening to this in the future and we're still in the middle of the season, any Tuesday, just show exactly. up. Yeah. You can follow the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Rebel, YouTube, but mostly Twitter. Robin makes uh, gifts on Tumblr, so you should go support her because she needs support. Every even day of the month, it comes out. And uh, I work really hard to stay on top of that. So please support me. Love that. It's also like very extensively tagged. So if you only want to see the Riverdale ones, you can just search on the Riverdale tag and you'll only see the Riverdale oh. ones. It's so great. Well, there you go. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash the 
shadows. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because it's expensive, it's expensive. especially if you want to do another podcast. Yeah, it goes all straight back into the podcast and we would really appreciate it. Only $1 a month at the lowest. You get free ac- or uh, early access. And if you join before November 16th, uh, you will be getting our three-year anniversary postcard. We want to send it to you. Yeah, we do. Please become a patron. Mostly because I'm excited to design it, so. Yeah, you get like an actual handwritten note from us. Yeah. If you care. Yeah, and if you don't care about that, um, I understand. Yeah. 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 You can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. And you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. Join us for our next episode, which is 403 Dog Day Afternoon. Dog Day Afternoon is a 1975 American neo-noir crime drama film. The title refers to the sultry dog days of summer. The film was inspired by P.F. Klug's article, The Boys in the Bank, in Life magazine about a similar robbery of a Brooklyn bank. Got the so... boys in the bank. Okay. Uh, what? Um, Are you saying that wasn't funny? I was like, I was trying to, I'm like trying to figure out how I can make this about Old Town Road. Okay. I got the boys in the bank. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Love you. Bye. We are so far past the meme. Okay. Love you. Bye. <laughs>